education is important, but playing computer games are importanter. Plumbers, princesses and various fungi thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the hashtag Monster Energy Gamer Zone. My name is Oodles, the Fragmaster 9000, and today I am joined by. He doesn't die, he respawns. It's Biggie. <laughs> Hello. He doesn't age, he levels up. It's Stig. Hello. What doesn't kill her gives her XP. It's Candy Machine. <laughs> Hello. He doesn't need to get a life, he's a gamer. He has many lives. It's Gadget. <laughs> Hello. How minging are them? <laughs> well, if people have heard our Patreon episode, that makes that makes me slightly concerned about your opinion of me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Gamer. <laughs> but before we kick into gear, we're going to talk about Patreon. Take yeah. it away. Yeah, speaking of Patreon, uh, we have a Patreon. You can find it if you go onto patreon.com forward slash modern escapism. On there, we have three separate tiers. We have the £5 a month Modern Escapees. That'll get you exclusive Patreon extended episodes of the weekly episode. And at least one special a month. Uh, Currently, we have had more specials. We did a full Loki spoiler special series. And we also have Too Faff, Too Curious in the works, where Gadget and Biggie will be talking about the Fast and the Furious franchise from never seeing them before. This week, you'll have also noticed that our monthly special is out, and this week we did uh, Modern Escapes and does Room 101. Kind of. Uh, yeah, well, we did a variation of it. It's the same kind of thing. I modded, modded the rules a little, but it was still fun, and you can come and listen to Oodles try and try and... Uh, justify myself. Justify himself. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, but we also, on there, we have the Scott Sheep, uh, which is £5 a month, and that will... That is for our Do Dragons Dream of Scotch Sheep podcast. Uh, if you sign up for that, you get ad-free versions of the podcast. You get early access to the podcast, access to battle maps, artwork, any original music, and any other content that we put out with that. And you can also suggest NPC names, items, and things to gadget to use. But if you're feeling flush, £7.50, the Biggie Bundle, I'll get you everything. 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 Well, I just want to say, if you have signed up to our Patreon, thank you very much for all those people that signed up. We started it in June, and already we have 20 things out million there. million pounds. Oh, I wish. <laughs> no, we have. <laughs> so far, it's, we're in the middle of July, and we've done 20 exclusive posts for Patreon. So we think Massive. that, yeah, it's a lot of content there, and it's a lot of good stuff as well. So if any of that sounds like your bag, then sign up. Thank you very much there, Stig. Oh, so, fuck off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that little outburst. <laughs> now, uh, um, we're going to just dive right in because I'm feeling like a fucking omelette at the moment. It's red hot. So you can take it away. Gadget, what you been up to? Uh, okay, so a couple of things um, this week. Um, 
First one I want to talk about, and I'll talk about it in the lightest of light details because I'm aware people are still watching it and I don't want to put any spoilers in, but I binged through the whole season of Loki on Disney Plus this week. I've heard of it. <laughs> My fucking God, what a show. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, again, a little bit like with WandaVision. Um, it's, a, it's obviously an offshoot of the MCU, um, taking the, uh, the, the character of Loki after kind of what happens to him. <laughs> again, I don't even want to spoil more of that. I've got to be so vague on this one. Um, yeah, I'll be uh, watching it fairly soon, so uh, be mm-hmm. careful. Yeah, it's got a wonderful production style. It's got this really appealing kind of 60s brutalist aesthetic, which I really like. The soundtrack, my God, the soundtrack. Incredible, it's, it's, isn't it? So good. There was... There, there, there was a there was a moment in the uh, in the end in the final in the finale episode uh, right near the end where the the composer reprises the main theme. Yes, a the oh. different remake. Oh my god! I I, I nearly had I, I need three to five working days to get over this. Yeah, it's man. so good. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real goosebump moment. Yeah, and the way it just kind of plays with your expectations, plays with the story. There's some wonderful cameos in it from quite famous people. Um, yeah, it's just so good. Like. Even if you're not that up on the MCU, like if you've got a passing interest in it, it's worth watching because Tom Hiddleston is fantastic in it. I actually like Owen Wilson in it. Like I find Owen Wilson really grating all the time because he basically <laughs> he's a bit Keanu-ish in that he plays the same role in everything he's in. Um, but I really like his character in this. I really Me like and Stig loved him. Yeah. So no, he's a, a really really good season. It's six episodes. It's about five and a half hours worth of viewing. It's really really wor- well worth it. And we have have our podcast on it, which I haven't listened to yet because I, I've been listening to another podcast this week, which is the other thing I want to talk about. Ah, so I've been away this week. I've been I've been at a wedding. Um, I went down to Kent to see um friend of the pod, enemy of Oodles, Monk's boy, get married. Uh. Um, so congratulations to him and his lovely wife Abby. <laughs> I hope it was um, a great day. so as a result of that me living in the north and then being as far south as you can go before you get your feet wet in northern um, France aren't they (laughs) practically uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts in the car driving um, and I've been binge listening through my dad wrote a porno season (laughs) 6 I don't even know what that is well it kind of actually gives it away in the title I I thought so (laughs) (laughs) so my dad wrote a porno is about cats a podcast about uh, Jamie Morton and reading through the dreadful self-published porn novels that his dad has written. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, his his dad, who goes under the nom de plume Rocky Flintstone, because <laughs> oh, of course he does, <laughs> wrote a series of six or seven books called uh, Belinda Blinked and published them on Amazon in like 2015 and you can go and you can buy these books they're real things this is none of it's made up for the podcast um and they're universally terrible like rocky is not a good writer but so jamie reads um the novels out to his two friends james and alice uh who he they're like his old university friends they they have quite a long friendship together and the banter between them is hysterical and it's insane what starts off as a series of books about Belinda Blumenthal starting work at Steel's Pots and Pans and fucking her way through the client base and the and the staff. Oh, he knows how to write women, clearly. <laughs> yeah. You say that. No. Right. Rocky Flintstone does not know how to write That's women. That's right. I would be In sarcastic. the most spectacular... In fact, I'm pretty sure the, 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 Reddit, sub, uh, the Reddit subreddit... Um, 
men writing women was dedicated to him because <laughs> he is so bad at it. Um, but yeah, so it starts off as some fairly low-rent, pretty crappy porn written by a man in his 60s. It's got a very 70s edge about it in places because that's obviously... Lots the, of beards Rock, and bush. Yeah. <laughs> Rock, Rock, that was Rocky's, you know, the, the mm. peak of his, of his life before that he got married. That should be the name of kids. our podcast. Can't beards and bush. Beards and bush, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> It's a spin-off. Um, but as the books go on, it transforms into something else. It becomes a spy thriller. Oh, yeah. Assassination attempts and microfilm and shit. Like, I mean, it don't, none of it works. But it's so funny because the man's got no fucking clue. Apparently, he, he writes, he writes a, cha- a chapter in about two hours and just doesn't edit them. Just doesn't All go right. back. So, like, the, the, there are... There are mistakes throughout it. There are points where characters just change names for some inexplicable reason. And uh, Jamie, as the narrator, has to catch up with this stuff. About season two or th- uh, season three or four, Jamie starts just putting voices to the characters, which then gets hilarious, um, including a rather extreme Essex accent for, Be- uh, for Bella, which I'm not going to try and repeat here because it's <laughs> fucking atrocious. Um, but... Just to give you the tone of it, I have some quotes from uh, my dad wrote a porno for, um, just so you can get the level of writing ability of Rocky Flintstone and the kind of his how he attempts to put soliloquies into this. Oh wow! So um, the first one is quite simple, and it's probably the most famous one. Her tits hung like pomegranates. What? <laughs> <laughs> My tits hang like pomegranates, <laughs> not a woman's. And 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 for the for the for the further ones going on here, some of these actually will get slightly pornographic. So apologies to anyone who happens to be listening with kids around. But oh, your just, grandma. I mean, yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be listening to us with kids. No, around you shouldn't anyway. be listening to us when there's kids. <laughs> around. Again, he slowly entered Belinda's pussy. He oh. felt like a man revisiting the house where he had grown up as a child. Everything was the same, but different. <laughs> Rearrange oh, wow. the curtains. <laughs> oh. She took him completely into her mouth, tasting the flesh of mankind. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Belinda regained her composure as best as she could. Good heavens, that was a powerful portion of sex. I'm as hot as a half-fucked fox in a forest fire. Wow. <laughs> Try saying that with a dick in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my <thank you. laughs> uh, Half the world away, Belinda and Bella were behind bars and in chains. They hadn't slept a blink. What was this even about? Wondered Bella. God, this is about so much, thought Belinda. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yep. Um, two more two more for you. Um, her nipples hardened with her feeling of freedom, and they were now as large as the three-inch rivets which had held together the whole of the, tit- the Titanic. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the last one I'm going to give to you, because um, I've deliberately avoided um, giving you ones from this season, because, you know, people are still listening to it. Mm-hmm. But this, this, this one I've got here, this is peak perfection from, um, from the opening episode of season six. Rolling onto her backbone, she pulled her legs behind her earlobes and proffered her open vagina like the dessert trolley at a Toby Carvery. <laughs> I think I knew her. <laughs> this is the level it's working. It's the least sexy thing in the world. Like, there's no way anyone can get turned on reading this stuff. 
it's absolute insanity, but it's so funny. And the banter between uh, uh, Jamie James and Alice is so good. They... I'm just going to say, I really enjoyed it when I first started listening to it. I thought it was hilarious. But yeah. I found, and this is a bit ironic because I've just interrupted you, but I found that Alice kept <laughs> jumping in far too much when he was trying to tell the story sometimes, because that's what you also want to hear. Their banter yeah. is really funny, but sometimes you just actually want to hear how bad his writing is. But they keep jutting in. And I mean, like, let's not talk about jutting in, mate. That's this, this podcast is based on butting in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think it it does work. I mean, it can get annoying, yeah, especially if you if. But there's nothing really that compelling in the story to listen to. It's more just like it's the how bad what it the bad is. Writing I think it's is. how bad it is. That's what it is. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I might have to go back to it. I just dropped off it. I have to say. I mean, if for anything, I mean, like I said, I mean, aside from the actual stories, there's just some wonderfully hilarious, weird shit that happens in the banter. Mm, like um, uh, James Cooper um, is is gay and has no concept of female anatomy, um, and they riff on this quite a few times. Is that yeah. they have these um, mm. bonus episodes in called the footnotes where they they'll talk about things and they have one where James gets to ask all the questions about sex, uh, heterosexual sex that he wants to, and they explain things to him. <laughs> but there's there's one time where it's, where it's revealed that James has never felt a boob, and he thinks they feel like uh, firm avocados. So. <laughs> Alice proffers her boob to him. <laughs> it's this rather hilarious little sequence where he's feeling his first boob ever on a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. Are, are we going to start doing we... that on this? I mean, if you've got a boob handy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I really recommend My Dad Wrote a Porno. It's so funny. It's so ridiculous. Just be careful when you're driving around listening to it on the Bluetooth in the car. How many episodes of... a season is it? It 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 varies. So, oh, right. so like it depends on the length of the book. So some of the books are like fourteen, fifteen chapters. This and you just jump into any is... season. You may I may as well just start with six, and I, and then work my way back. Uh, there's a, there's a best of book five. Yeah, you oh, can, you can go in. You can go in. Like I say, none of it makes sense. There's a lot of ref- self referenced characters throughout yeah. it and overarching story. But it is where, even just if you listen to the first episode of season six, you'll get the tune of it. Mm. They're not very um, long either, are they? The episodes? No, about forty five minutes to an hour long. Oh, we should start you, doing that. Yeah, and then you get the you get the footnotes, which are about twenty minutes, half an hour. They get celebrities on. Like Elijah Wood's been a guest on this. He is a pervert. I mean, a Hobbit, sorry. Right. Yeah, and Michael Sheen and people like that. Well, Daisy Alice, Ridley, Alice she's is a, a DJ, isn't she? For BBC, yeah, she's, so. she's a Alice Alice Levine from Radio One. Yeah, so she's got uh, the old contacts. Yeah, she's got contacts. Look, so, if you want Elijah Wood on this podcast, I can get you Elijah Wood. If you can do that, I'll be impressed. I can do it. Then do it. You watch this. On them. Right. I'm going to sound, um, sound the horns of Gondor right now. <laughs> <laughs> we actually not have Sir Ian McKellen on instead. No. <laughs> I tried to book Sean Connery, but you know. Oh, <laughs> oh awkward. Yeah. Not working at the minute, is he? Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, just listen to my dad wrote a porno. It's so stupid. It's so wonderful. I love it. I will do, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Candy, what have you been up to? Yeah, a couple of things again this week. So following on from last week, I started playing Plague Tale. Um, I haven't got that far into it, so I'm going to talk it uh, talk about it further down the line. Uh, so far, it's been a positive experience. I'm looking forward to continuing it. Mm. I also started Operation Tango with a friend, which mm. is the two-player game, but you don't see each other's screen. So you're kind of working together, describing what you're seeing to solve puzzles. Uh, we haven't finished it yet. We're hoping to complete it in the next couple of days. Um, but the main I'm thing... It's really fun. Really enjoyed it. It's, there are quite a few fiddly sections, and it's yeah. it's a good thing I'm really good friends with uh, my gaming partner because it's yeah, it definitely could cause a breakup. 
Um, wow. But no, we've done pretty well so far. We haven't fallen out, so that's all good. And I went to see First Nine at the cinema. Uh, Is it about now, family? It, I award it a family out of five. Wow. I know, that's the <laughs> highest I could possibly award it. Uh, so like Big, Biggie and Gadget, I came to First Five, without, First Five, First Nine, without really seeing that many others. Um, I saw a couple of the first ones when they first came out. Turns out I didn't really need to anyway. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say about it. At one point, my eyes were sort of physically burning from everything that was happening <laughs> on, the, on the screen. And not just because it was hot. It's so wonderfully ridiculous. It's actually quite difficult to not enjoy it. I sort of enjoyed it despite myself. There were a few moments where I was, I was just howling in the cinema, the complete ridiculousness. Um, I did notice this is the most ridiculous part of the film. There are a few scenes where Vin Diesel and John Cena are sort of squaring up to each other and they're sort of eye level with each other. Um, and I, I don't want to make a judgment, but I'm pretty sure Vin Diesel, he doesn't give me tall man vibes. So I'm, I'm quite sure he would have been... think he's a person of restricted growth. Yeah, I ju- I'm just getting that feeling from him. So I'm pretty sure he was on at least three phone books. Um, yeah, see, I, I went on Google to look up both of their heights, and apparently there's only three centimetres difference between them, but I'm calling bullshit on that. Absolute bullshit. I think Vin Diesel has been on the phone to Mr. Google and said, listen, you're going to have talks. to change. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's going to have to change it. So that was the one part of the film I just could not believe, unfortunately. So for that, I, I just I couldn't suspend my uh, disbelief. <laughs> but yeah, you know what you're getting when you go and see a first film. So it didn't really disappoint. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm buzzing for it, me. I can't wait for it. Excellent, excellent. Is that everything you've done? Everything, yes. That's more than enough. Um, Stig, you've been doing, lad. Uh, I've seen a few films. Watched Black Widow. That was all right. Bit middle of the road Marvel for me, I think. I think we all expected that. Yeah, um, should have come out years ago. Yeah, probably worked better then. But uh, yeah, it was all. It was all right. It was enjoyable to see uh, a Marvel film again. But the TV stuff's been kind of crushing it. Really, yeah. so the film didn't kind of live up to the TV stuff, unfortunately. Um, I started Shit's Creek this week. Oh yes, great show! Absolutely brilliant. We're really enjoying that. But what I'm going to do before I head on to my main one is I'm going to do an, a live on air right now rev- review of a like beer this. of a beer I have. Oh! And Ooh. the reason I'm doing this is because it's a Yorkshire pudding beer. <laughs> what? Made with real Yorkshire puddings. Wait, oh, wait, wait, hang on. Are you auditioning for Snugcast here? Uh, nope. <laughs> I, might, I might give it a Goulin jig. See, see what it is. <laughs> uh, Although, to be fair to them, I have no idea what their scale's all about. It's all like, I don't think they do, to be fair. <laughs> I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, this is not a beer to make Yorkshire pudding with. It's a Yorkshire pudding beer. The first and original Yorkshire pudding beer made in the foothills of the North Yorkshire Moors. Firstly, it tastes like Yorkshire pudding, light, crisp, and reek good. Has it got gravy in it? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to give it a test right now. I haven't Good tried beans. this. I've poured it out. The plain Yorkshire puddings. Not I haven't the same, tried it, it yet. I want to see. Um, no, it's not. You need gravy. Mm. So I'm going to see what it's like. That was a good old gulp. Don't get Yorkshire pudding at all. <laughs> oh, how disappointing! Just tastes like a uh, regular. Have you put it in oven first? <laughs> You sprinkle some oxo on it. Yeah. No, I'm just getting regular. Stick a carrot in top. 
kind of regular beer <laughs> taste, really, more than anything. Oh dear, how disappointing. What, what an anticlimactic thing I can edit out. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Don't edit out, it's just, that's a bit disappointing. <laughs> Very disappointing. No, I saw, what, I saw what'll happen, we, with all beers like this, with these, these, these fancy craft beers, after, when he's got about halfway, he'll be like, you know what, it does taste like Yorkshire puddings. I'll let you know if it if it yeah. if it if it starts it to hit the yeah develops it yeah. puffs up like one. Yeah. <laughs> that, first, that first taste, I'm not I'm not getting a Yorkshire I'm not getting a Yorkshire pudding, unfortunately. So yeah, that was disappointing. Aww. I just saw it in the shop and it was like one pound seventy five bottles. Get a bit, of, get, like, like, get a like, bit of gravy granules in it and stir right. it with a spoon. Be lovely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the the main thing I do want to talk about is uh, you know last week I talked I got my PS5 and I started Ratchet and Clank. Mm. Uh, Mm, it's, and I'm really enjoying it. It's it's a really good game. Um, it's, For people that don't know what it is, what is Ratchet and Clank? It's a, well, I guess subscribe, subscribe, it's a platforming game. Um, Shooter, platformer a, a, thing. Adventure game, yeah, 3D game. Like with You play as this little creature, Ratchet. He's, I think he's a, I've, I've never played a Ratchet and Clank game before, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, and he has a little robot um, helper. And the story is that, him and his robot creates him this gun, which Dr. Nefarious steals, and it starts to open rifts and s- splits in the space-time, whatever, and they, they start jumping between dimensions. So, you actually, the... the um, I've made some notes, and they're all over the place. I apologise. Um, but the, the rift stuff is really cool. Like, when you see a rift that you can use, you press the button to do it. And rather than it being like one where you kind of... You'd, you'd feel like you harpoon and you shoot towards it. You don't actually you, you pull the rift towards you, so the screen actually gets bigger as the, the rift's kind of in the distance and it gets bigger as it comes towards you and then it places you inside where that rift is. So it's like a really cool like trans like transport like system. And then is it there's quite fluid when that happens. Oh yeah, it looked like, like it absolutely, in the trailers. Absolutely seamless. And when you wow. when you skip between dimensions as well, absolutely seamless. You you literally don't Using that SSD to good measure. Yeah, there's, there is no like go. Oh, okay, I'm going to go into a different dimension now, and it sludes, or you, you you don't even see a jutter. You literally just walk through the rift, and you're in the other dimension. Um, That's cool. Yeah, the triggers it uses the haptic triggers really well. Um, so with the PlayStation Five, obviously, if you pull the trigger down slightly, you've got like a bit of resistance there, or like a full one, and there's things like. Some of the grenades, if you kind of pr- press it to the to the middle section, it throws like a short grenade. If you press it down to the long one, it throws a long grenade. You can charge up weapons, so you kind of pull the trigger down slightly, just a little bit, and it charges the weapon up. Then you pull it all the way down, and it shoots the weapon. Or you can just pull it all the way down, and it'll shoot the weapon, like, to begin with. So you can kind of run around and keep a charge on your weapon ready for, like, the enemies. Uh, I did have one game-breaking bro- bug on it, though which is annoying. Um, there was a section where I had to follow a character and I followed him, died, and it respawned me back outside a door that had closed. Oh, no. <laughs> so I couldn't follow him nice. anymore. Mm-hmm. And it had a little indicator saying, follow him. And I'm like, I'm running around this building going, I, I can't get to him. And I was like, oh, do I go yeah. this way? And I was running around for ages. Luckily, it auto-saves, but it, it keeps like various auto-saves. So I just had to go oh, so back. You go back. I the go devs back. knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I only had to go back like 15 <laughs> minutes. I only lost like 15 minutes of game time. That's so fuck all, close. mate. I lost 40, 14 hours on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking that. I mean, I'm, 
I'm only a few hours in, so I really wanted to play a bit more before I talked about it this week. But I didn't really have anything else to talk about, so I thought yeah. I'll talk about this. But I really, I, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. it. It looks gorgeous, to be honest. Like I really like the style. Um, the last um, one did the the remaster yeah, version was really good on the PS4 as well. I recommend if you do like this, get that. Up. I think the good games, me. I like Ratchet mm. and Clank. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, obviously, I've never played one before, so as a character reveal, obviously, because you're in a different dimension, it's like the, the same looking character, but they played a different person. Ah. And he goes, oh, it's Skid or Scud or someone. And that, for me, he's never played the game before. It's just kind of like, shrug like, the shoulders. Ha, 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 so funny. No, it's just like, <laughs> that means nothing to me, but fans yeah. will obviously be like, oh, wow, that's like that's amazing. That like That's him that's playing this character. I really like the first one. And there was, a, I think, Up Your Arsenal. I think that were good. There's a, there's a, <laughs> yeah. They've all got weird names like that. Um, Cracking time. Yeah, there's a few. There's a, the, I think one of them's really shit, and like as a, as a series, the pretty solid. Like, yeah, the writing is great. The writing, oh, yeah. and voice acting in it is brilliant. I really, really think that's really good. And there's like a few little mini games in there. Like these are quite close to the start of the, the game. To be fair, so it's not too much of a spoiler. But one of the mini games is you have to kind of hack a system, and you go into that system, and you run, and you and you kind of run around as a little robot. This little quipping robot, she's really cute, and she's like trying to just take out these viruses within the computer system. And there's another one where you have to go into something as Clank, and you basically play a game of Lemmings. Nice. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to lead all these other Clanks from one end to the other and stop them from like falling off a cliff. Like, <laughs> so you've got all these like puzzles and things, switches to do to like get all these these row of Clanks from one end to the other. It's just little things like that that kind of like break up the game, but I don't break it up so much that it ruins it it's like it's these fun little mini games the only quibble i do have with it is um you play it as two different versions of ratchet so you play it as a character called rivet which is like a female version of of him but it's really it doesn't make sense to me when you play as her you get all of his power-ups and guns mm. so it's a computer game though don't no, mind but no but like a lot of the times when you put when you switch between characters in computer games yeah, you got your own two little... different characters. You get you get to level them up differently, don't you? So get... There's literally nothing different between them. No, sometimes you get like different guns, don't you? Or different level ups yeah. or different power ups. There, there is literally nothing so far. There is nothing. It's just a skin to, to distinguish them, other mm. than it's a, diff- a female version of him. Like you, you get the same guns. Like it, it passes over, so the guns I've unlocked with him, she has, and it's like I was hoping for a bit more variety between the two. It's just like Fortnite. Yeah, yeah, different, different skin. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really looking forward to to playing through more. Like, I wasn't really that fussed about playing it. It's not, a, it wasn't a system seller for me. It wasn't one mm. that was, oh, I have to get the PS5 it's to be get a launch this game with the uh, PS5. Yeah. Supposed to be, yeah. yeah. But it came with my PS5, um, along with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But I've already got a digital copy of that, so mm. I just got I sold that, and I'm going to play Ratchet and Crank, Clank, and then finally going to get onto. Valhalla, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. So if you've got a PS5, then I'd, I'd give that a go. Definitely give that a go. Um, excellent, excellent. Thank you, mate. Um, Biggie, hello. Uh, yeah, um, bizarrely, I also want to talk about the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but only briefly because I've been doing um, a bit of a, a re-watch. No spoilers. Um, nope. 
So I went from where I stopped off last time, which was uh, just watched Doc Strange. Doc Strange. Doc Strange. Doc Strange. I've never heard anyone call it Doc Strange. Uh, Do you know what? It's how I typed it down here. His name's Doc Stephen Strange. Doc Strange. Which is quite funny, actually, because he's always quipping about his name in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Doctor Strange, which I thought was excellent the second time around. Incredible film. I enjoyed it the first time around, but. I was really, really enjoyed it this time. Yeah, me too. I, I enjoyed it a lot more. One of my favourites. Yeah, I, I, I don't quite know why I didn't appreciate it as much as I did the first time around, because I, I remember liking the movie, but having taken my time this way, really cool. Uh, I've made it all the way through to Infinity War so far. Uh, weirdly, I didn't like Black Panther the second time around as much. I fucking I, love Black Panther. And I loved it the first time around, but for some reason I didn't enjoy it as much. I'm not, I've seen no it so many why. times, I love it. But um, yeah, uh, really cool. Um, I've certainly seen these a lot quicker than our Friends of the Show's podcast, which is called Not Seen It Before or something. Ah. Um, Not Bothered, I think it's called. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the Never Watchers, and it's incredible. Yeah, please catch it when you can. But uh, yeah, um, enjoyed that. But the main thing I wanted to talk about was a guy called Paul Murphy, who is better known by his stage name, which is Scratch Bastard. And he is a Canadian DJ, a record producer. Now, um, following the people that I do in hip hop on Twitter, um, his name popped up a couple of times, and then I managed to catch a little snippet of him doing a mix on Twitter. And since then, I am just all over this guy. He is incredible. I can't believe I've not come across him before. So um, he's the first ever Canadian DJ to be nominated for the. I thought Juno I was going to say first ever Canadian DJ. <laughs> available for weddings um but um (laughs) juno award for producer of the year um he kind of appeared there's a great clip of him in 2001 where he's doing um a a scribble jam dj battle and right near the end of his little set that you know they get like i don't know five minutes or something to do a little set and then have this little battle and he does this incredible scratch that ends with the imperial march but using records not related to the movie it's just the fact he's pulled that sound out of these records it's incredible Um, and then he rose to prominence um, by 2003, winning that Scribble Jam contest and went on to win it in 2004 and 2007. And he's been around for a long time. He's now a judge for um, some of these competitions. But what he does now, which is just blowing my mind, um, occasionally does what he's called Bastard's Barbecue. And it's like a full-on set, which he just does live. For people, they log in on Zoom, and obviously he's got his Twitch channel going. Um, For like three, four hours, he just mixes away, and he's now doing a Tuesday morning coffee freestyle, which, again, he does it for three hours, maybe more, mixing incredible hip-hop records, or he'll just go, I'm going to do all the 
classic Motown, mix them all together, or jazz. But the guy just has this smile on his face when he does it. And you can, you know, when you see somebody really enjoy what they do. Yeah, it's, just, it's a nice, it's proper satisfying. It's incredible. He, he just, you can see him like miming words to hip hop or just records that he knows inside and out, or he knows when a beat's going to drop in. And he chats with people online. The other day when I joined it, it was just shy of a thousand people viewing on Twitch just for this live free set, you know? He just comes on, mixes away, chats to people, encourages them to sign up and have fun. But it's just the fact that he enjoys it. He's always giving shouts out to people on there and he welcomes anybody to watch him. But it's just the fact that he enjoys what he does. It's so Does he not get in trouble with copyright and stuff like that, like doing it on Twitch? That was my question. I have no idea. I really can't. He might not care. <laughs> but he, not sure. My friends, yeah, my friends DJed, and I've got yes. friends. Who've done I know DJ people have done it as well. Over Twitch and had no issues. Yeah, but he does it on obviously there are loads of clips on YouTube if you want to check it out. He's just so cool. Really nice guy. Um, just he'll well, you can feel his love through music, and he loves uh, playing it to you and going, "Oh, you guys might not have heard this one." He promotes new music, old mixes it all together. And it just flows. He is so clever with what he does. The mixing, the scratching, you name it. So, so cool. You're such a cool awesome. guy, though. Like, you're, in, you're, you're into some proper cool stuff that I don't even think about looking into. Like, you're know, watching people your, mixing and music. scratching. That's so cool, mate. Yeah, but it's Jealous. Just but I, love, yeah, I just love seeing the smile on his face. Yeah, man. As well, because he, he's enjoying what he's doing. He's not just trying to make money out of it, because obviously he does. But yeah, yeah just, there's, a, there's a difference, isn't there, between like greed natural. and doing it for for just yeah. for love. Mm. Like, like did you me. describe it? Did you describe it as scribbling? Is, is that what it's called? No, there's a it's a battle um, called Scribble Jam. Oh, okay, that's the name like of it. It's not a style. Yeah. No, but yeah, there's lots called of scribble um, knots, The people that enter the competition. <laughs> 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 but yeah, there, there's um, just literally if you. Look, type his name in YouTube. You can see loads of clips. I mean, he's called Scratch things. Bastard. You're not going to forget that. <laughs> it's B A S T I D. So mm. he obviously gets away with not swearing. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. But, uh, he's got a great community that follows him as well. Really cool. Brilliant, brilliant. I wish I'd done something as cool as that this week. Um, as always, my finger is firmly, firmly on the pulse, as we all know. Uh, <laughs> this week I've been battling hay fever, as you can probably hear. Oh, and me. Um, but I've started watching a show that's received mixed reviews over the last decade. Uh, it's called The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> Bother. Yeah, I've I've never I've never watched it. Um, and Have you read I, the comics? Uh, yeah, I've, I've read some of the comics. Um, uh, but I, I, I'm not a big zombie guy. Um, I think we mentioned that before when we got asked favorite zombie movies and that. I'm, I'm not massive on zombies. I'm not scared of them. I could kill a zombie, me. Yeah. But it's just I don't know. Sometimes it's quite rote as a as a like a genre, isn't it? These these zombie things. But I watched a trailer about because uh, it's it's all on Disney Plus now, and a trailer just popped up, and it's like in that trailer there wasn't a single zombie in it, and I'm like, wow, we're in The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't about zombies. It's about the people surviving, and I've got to season three already in a week because mm. I don't fuck about me gadget. Um, I just. <laughs> Yeah, he sits playing on his Switch and yeah, watching I want, TV. So I want playing be, on his Switch as well. <laughs> yeah. Dragon's Quest Eleven. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been playing Monster Hunter, but I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Um, 
yeah, so I started watching this uh, Walking Dead, and uh, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. But um, yeah, this it's not very zombie heavy, is it? Yeah, it's the first season quite it's quite zombie heavy, but then the second season, like, they end up at this farm. If you can't remember, ten yeah, years ago. Yeah, uh, once, it's, the, once they get away from Atlanta, the amount of yeah, zombies kind of decreases. It's more about human drama and how, like, my favourite character on the first season was Shane. He was so, like, level-headed. He was he was the best character. And by the the, the second season, he's just a fucking raving lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just good. It's good how they, how they like, the juxtapose that. And it, it all makes sense how it's happening. Do you know what I mean? How, it, how how are you coping with Andrew Lincoln's American accent? It's horrible. <laughs> and every time I see Carl, him, I just think of him holding Carl. that sign up. Coral, Coral. He's holding that sign up from Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's always the slightly rapey guy from Love Actually. Yeah, that, yeah. Se- that second series though, it's like nothing happens until that mid-season point. Yeah, this, point, yeah it does. I, I, I could tell it was a mid-season break. That one. Yeah, it does that huge <laughs> mid-season break. And then nothing and again. Like, and you're like, end. oh, fuck, I've got to watch this again. And nothing happens again until yeah. that bit with Shane and right at the end. You're just like, yeah. oh, fuck, I've got to... And it does, yeah, just... And now where I'm at now, um, I mean, minor spoilers, they're at prison and it's quite good. It's quite up on the action yeah, that was again. Quite good. Yeah, um, they're quite good seasons. Yeah, and it's... I is, kinda, it, is, it, is it the season with the governor, season three? Yeah, yeah. we've just met the governor, so don't no yeah. spoilers, guys, no spoilers. But I'm really, I'm really enjoying the the actual the, the talky episodes, the chatting about how they'll survive and stuff like that. And I think it's made... I will spoil this for you. Mm. You will get very annoyed with that. Oh, really? Because that's <laughs> all that happens a lot no, further but I like down that, the line. The whole like second season was just them chatting on a farm and me going, "What are you doing? Why are you running off on your own again, Coral?" Why are you doing it? Why do you keep doing it? The way he says Carl always made me laugh. It keeps wandering off, mate. I'm I'm saying it now. If I were in that world, I'd have have put cow gun at back of all kids' heads before we even started. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need you. You're dead weight. (laughs) 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 Carry it on. Let's go. We can survive this now. There's no children. They are, they are the, they, the, the kids in this show. They're the, they're the actual antagonists. They're, they cause everything, everything. So, doof, 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 cow gun, all of them, line them up. <laughs> I can say that I'm a parent. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really Just a reassuring. Quick, quick, quick call to social services there. Eh? Oh yeah. Okay. So this podcast host has been saying that in the in the in the case of a zombie apocalypse, he's going to cow gun his children. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be like, feel- it's fine, it's fine. So zom- feel- zombie like shambling down. Kind of- the zombie shambling down the road, and Noodles gets a knock on his door from social services. Yeah. <laughs> Take it away. Still, yeah. Do, do feel like you need to be just on some kind of a list, just just for precautions. Put me on it. Put me on it. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's a good show, and like I said, the kids are the most annoying part, and Andrew Lincoln's accent is just—it's getting worse. Oh yeah, it goes. He's getting all angrier now, isn't yeah, it? it? Does. He's yeah, not yeah. as level-headed as he was at the beginning. I, he's getting angrier I, now, and it's just getting worse. Oh, you I, haven't seen I, anything I, yet. Yeah, I fell off it kind of towards the end of season four. Maybe I'd gotten at the start of season well, five. Well, ten seasons, man. Yeah, his 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 accent, his accent began to just wander. I, it was like while he was giving dialogue, his accent was starting to get bored, so it went for a wander around the south of the US. <laughs> you know what he did? On one, on, one, on one of the episodes, he said route instead of route. I went, I've got you, Andrew. I've caught you. I've caught you. I know where you're from. You're from London, mate. <laughs> How did no one else notice that? I don't know, he said. Surely somebody would have called it. And I went, you mean route? You're an American. 
So yeah, caught him. <laughs> never, never made sense. Doesn't make sense. Though. Caught him. But yeah, it's. I'm liking it. Um, maybe I will drop off it, but so far so good. Um, I know people swear by this show, uh, but it's no Breaking Bad. It's no Sopranos. It's no Mad no. Men. I know that. I'm not stupid. It's no. It's not The Wire. Yeah, it's the, just the, the, entertainment. There's points where people fall off it. So you've already passed the first point that people fall yes. off it. Yes, season two. The next, the <laughs> next, yeah, the next, the next point is middle of season four ish. I'm gonna complete it, mate. I, I dropped off at after, season eight, mid, mid, yeah. mid season eight. Wow, yeah, season, that's season, where season, I dropped off. Yeah, season eight, and then the last season, or you finish it. I'm gonna I, finish we, it. We literally didn't even finish it. And like Kate's really into this kind of stuff, like horror and zombie and stuff. Yeah. She's just like, I can't be asked this anymore. Yeah, like even, exactly she, so. even she was just like happy asked. <laughs> so. I do recommend the comics. They are so good. There's so much dark. Uh, mate, I already show. read too many comics as it is. I don't I need know, any more. But, right, it's it's, it's, it's one so of the few good. comics I've read. Oh really? I've got, I've, I've, I've got the um the three compendiums. Yeah, them. yeah, They're really, really good. It's yeah. made by uh, Frank Darabont, isn't it? Him who did uh, Shawshank. Uh, he did the first series. Yeah. Sure. His name keeps popping up even on later seasons. He's just yeah, executive just producer. Yeah. Basically, yeah. we kicked him off the show, but we had to give him a producer credit. You can see the difference. <laughs> All that money. You can see the difference yeah. from the first season to the second season, actually. Now you've said that. The massive difference. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, hopefully, something happened. Something, there needs to something be a new happens. dynamic. No, no. There needs to be, needs to be some, some new characters now because we're running out. But Zombie dogs. Zombie dogs. I'm into it. But yeah, Zombie cows. I really like it. Um, it's all on Disney Plus now, so whew, watch it if you haven't. If you you like me, the one person in the world that's not watched it before. So yeah, see, I, I, I still prefer my 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 zombie things with a hint of boulder punching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do technically. Yeah, I, I prefer the more um, cerebral, cerebral. Zombies. Yeah, <laughs> with boulder yeah. punching. With boulder punching. Yes, I like an eighty zombie myself. Mm. Oh yeah, mm. a Romero zombie. A Romero zombie. Mm. Spot on. Yeah, I mean the rules for these zombies in this keep changing. Like they're scared of these hordes, but they're really slow. And then the second minute, they're all panting because they're out of breath from walking the, faster the than them. Zombies can <laughs> teleport in this show. Yeah, they really can. <laughs> for, for something for something that can like all of a sudden they don't make any noise in the woods and they're just there. Yeah. The, no, none of the leaves or the twigs or anything get yeah. disturbed. But then, oh, the fact that they're all, they're all like, going, <laughs> yeah, they're not stealthy, are they? I tell you what, you should watch, um, watch bad lip syncing, Walking Dead. So it will only spoil the first two seasons. You've oh, seen fine, it already, yeah. so it's fine. But it's fucking hilarious. Someone like put, doing lip syncing and putting voices to the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will do. If they um, react to noise as well, the amount of noise the zombies make themselves, it all just keep. Turning around and someone in the show actually said that one of the characters like can't they distract themselves? It's like they were saying it's the smell as well. Yeah, it's the like, human smell. The the funniest thing, and this is not to do with the Walking Dead story or anything like that, but you know, you know that car they pick up in the second season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's, it's obviously it's product placement from Hyundai. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. it's clean. Yeah, well, it's clean. Yeah, <laughs> he bought one. Yeah. yeah, that 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 car was made. That car didn't exist when the zombie apocalypse happened in the timeline of this. Oh, so that, <laughs> that, that, that car! Some whatever year I think they started twenty ten, and that mm. car's a twenty. That car became into existence 22 in twenty twelve. <laughs> yeah, in twenty twelve, it's just it's something that's always tickled me because you see them like driving around becomes like the one of the most important parts of their community. It's just like it shouldn't exist. <laughs> I do like the episodes where they're like, "Oh, it's freezing," and they're all sweating. 
Because they're, yeah. clearly, they're clearly filming it in like California or something. <laughs> Uh, Georgia, Georgia's Georgia, well, Georgia's yeah. warm enough. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, it, it's good. It, you can tell the like the first few seasons were low budget and stuff, but I, I like it. It's really good. So yeah. Now onto the main course. Biggie, take us away. This week we're going head to head with it. each other to determine the greatest of all time game. We're each bringing two of our favourites to the table. And we'll draw these against each other to literally find out which is the gamer's game. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, Killzone 2 uh, wasn't able to be submitted due to the fact we wanted to make it a competition. Oh. <laughs> we, we, needed, we needed things with decent Metacritic scores. I just realised now, though, that there'll, there'll be no standoffs for this. It's going to be three versus two, isn't it? Mm. So as with mm. all our massive um, knockout thing, we did Biscuits. Now we're on to games. Gadget is the knockout king himself. He has the hat. He has the power. If you are angry of our result at the end of the show, please write in and feel free to scream. Blame Gadget for the draw, basically. Yes. (laughs) I've already already done the draw. Instead of time-honored traditions of using a hat and pieces of paper because it was too hot to write things down, I've used a knockout tournament draw generator. I feel like there's cheating happening. No, no, no. I can share my screen if you like. Yes, I'd like. (laughs) (laughs) So the first round... Oh my God, he's doing it as well. (laughs) Yeah. The first rounds are already drawn. Now, the way this works is... Oh, no, Um, I've got to get my first one through the round round two. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, So the way this works is because there are five of us and there are 10 things, that doesn't work evenly into a knockout competition. So we have two qualifier rounds, and it's all been randomly chosen. So these there'll be two rounds where things get knocked out, and then it goes into the prop uh, into the proper um, scaling brackets. Yeah. So yeah. first one up um, is Metal Gear Solid Three, which That's is mine. whose game? Mine versus myself's Silent Hill Two. Easy, mate. Mm. So it's a, it's it's a it's a Konami battle off. <laughs> so Stig, would you like to go first? Yeah, I've written a lot for these. I've so. written a fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> I like to come prepared, write things down so I don't uh, forget things. Um, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, came out in 2004 by Konami. It is directed and written by Hideo Kojima, an absolute legend in the genre. Never heard of him. No, he's, uh, he's never heard of you either, but... Uh... <laughs> coming out fighting (laughs) anyway no I mean it's not even against his game I don't have anything bad I don't have anything bad to say about Kojima even though he's bonkers and weird with things I adore the man I love his games Uh, this is set in 1964 31 years prior to the original Metal Gear so the story centres around Fox operative codename Naked Snake um, it takes you away from Solid Snake and Raiden, the previous two uh, protagonists, and we get a new character who is essentially Solid Snake in appearance and voice, but not in character. Uh, if you kind of, I mean, everyone pretty much guessed it was just Big Boss. Yeah, even though the, with, the reveal yeah. at the end's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, we, we know it's Big Boss's story, yeah, that's kind of boss. obvious. 
Uh, you know, Solid Snake is his clone, etc. Blah blah blah. Uh, so while the previous games the set in an urban environment, Snake Eater adopts this kind of nineteen sixties Soviet jungle setting, uh, but it's more of like a high tech near future trappings of Metal Gear Solid. So you kind of got this nineteen sixties setting, but with a few, you know, it's Kojima. So there's a few, you know, futuristic things put in there, even though it's the sixties. James Bond gadgets, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So the environment, um, so the environment's changed, and it focuses a lot more on stealth and infiltration. Like the previous ones, obviously had bits of stealth, but this is very much more of a stealth game. Um, but it still kind of retains that self-referential fourth wall breaking humor. Uh, the music and sound effects, as Udo said, give off a James Bond spy drama vibe. The new camo system makes sense for the time period and setting. Like the stealth in this game is inventive at the time. It really added like a whole new dimension to it. So you could switch your camouflage based on what environment you're in. You had this little indicator to tell you how, you know, how camouflaged you were. So if you put on like a camo index, it was called, wasn't it? Yeah. So in the corner, it basically said 90%, 80% or 20%, depending on where you were, what kind of camouflage you had on. Uh, you could sneak better through the jungle you and through the bushes. You could actually get up to 110%, I think. Yeah, like you could get to the point of like being invisible where you yeah. could just lie there and guards will walk <laughs> past you because so, you are so like camouflaged. Kojima managed to rein it in slightly, a little bit. Uh, mm. There's still a lot of mad shit in there, <laughs> uh, but compared to 1 and 2, uh, it definitely feels more grounded and an emotional story. Like The main story between Naked Snake and the boss oh. like, just trumps everything from the first and the second. Uh, the story had its hooks in me like more than the other games. Like I said, it's just a simple story of Naked Snake hunting down his former mentor. Uh, I was way more invested in that than I ever was in like the likes of Raiden's story and and, th- and even Snake's story from the first one. Uh, the bosses, again, for me, these these the um, Cobra team, were these are the best group of bosses. It's basically, the, basically the Mega Man bosses. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> So you've got uh, the pain, the fear, the end, the fury, the sorrow, and then finally the boss herself. And they all offer this, like, each of them offer a really unique boss fight that includes, like, a stealth sniper battle, a battle against, like, Snake's own mind, uh, plus the usual weird shit. There's, like, a man that shoots hornets at you and a one that's <laughs> running around with a flamethrower kind of thing. So you get, you do get, you, you, you know, your batshit mental ones, but... Uh, uh, each each one has like its own rules and objectives. Mm-hmm. So you um, you build on the same like core mechanics that you had to work with. But like it's not just a shoot them as many times and they'll die. Uh, you can actually use different techniques to take them down. So they've got two spoilery. health bars, haven't they? They've got the yeah, the, the... the fear. Um, his stamina depletes. Yeah, and he has to eat. So you can actually drop poisoned packages around. You can fall asleep. Make and he'll pick up like stuff and poison himself, so you can take him down easier. The end is about three or four different ways of taking the end down, oh, including loads. one that is like the biggest cheese ever. <laughs> and what, <laughs> I know Gadget one day wants to play this game if he ever can, um, if they ever release the settings on it. But <laughs> the, the, no chance. The, no chance. Can I tell you about the end then? Go on then. So the end is this old man who is hides in the in the trees and he shoots with a sniper. He's an ex World War One sniper. That's how old yeah, he is. Yeah. So so the way they want you to play it is to 
fight a sniper battle, battle with him. So mm. you, if you don't, if you haven't unlocked the uh, heat vision goggles, you have to you're try fucked. and spot. You fucked because you have to try and spot him <laughs> through the cam- like through the trees, which is impossible. Listen for so his you power. can either do it like that. You can do it with the with the heat vision goggles, or you can just go there at a certain time of day and he's asleep, and you can just kill him when he's asleep. Oh, that's it. Like you can just cheese him, go there, avoid a whole complete whole boss battle. You could wait till he dies. Yeah, oh, that's the other one as well. Remember that one. Or if you just ignore him completely, he dies of old age. age. (laughs) That's the other one. Fucking hell. So the game just offers you up so many different things. It isn't like you're in an arena now, Mm. shoot each other until the last one dies. Uh, Like I think you have to do it. I think you have to play the game at least three times to see every cutscene. That's how. That's how much replay value there is. Yeah, I think on, I played the, this the game about. Th- I think I played this game about three times when it yeah. first came out, and then subsidence, and then again mm. on the Vita. Yeah, no, yeah. On, the, on the 360. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, the whole story it, it accumulates with this intense and heart wrenching fight with the boss, which just strips away all the absurdness and of the other boss the battles. The joy. That's her code name as well. It's just hand to hand combat. It's a beautiful fight, like final battle sequence. And it, it goes. To, it's one of my favorites, to be honest. It's just it's so simple, but really effective. It's top five bosses, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant. The setting with all the you know, the white flowers and everything. It's just it's brilliant. And then the emotional impact of it all. And uh, yeah, visually at the time it was stunning. It includes this amazing James Bond esque opening credit scene, which is later used in the game as you climb a ladder and the whole song plays, and it's absolutely brilliant. It sounds just so like. It sounds like Kojima being up his own ass. Like, you have to climb a ladder and listen to a three and a half minute long song of the up, from the opening credit, the Snake Eater song. But it's just a really wonderful respite for the player. It makes the game, doesn't make the game grind to a halt. It's a cappella it as well, isn't it? It makes you kind of appreciate it a little bit more and, and you listen to this song. And yeah, it achieved critically acclaimed numerous awards and its Metacritic was 91 out of 100. It went up to 94 out of 100 when uh, Subsistence Subsistence was released. And even Kojima says it's the best out of the series. So what more do you you want? Yeah, Subsistence added the 3D camera, which just changed the game completely. Yeah. So yeah, that's mine and my ramblings. Incredible, mate. Incredible. Gadget, your rebuttal. Well, I mean, my rebuttal, I'm going to keep to the three minutes that we agreed to, my God, man. (laughs) (laughs) We've got plenty of time. You, you, wait, you wait till I get to Half-Life 2. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Uh, so I'm talking about Silent Hill 2, which was released by Konami in um, September 24th, 2001. Developed by the legendary Team Eco. Not Team Eco, the Team, Team Silent, Silent, rather. I'm sorry, I've got Eco on the brain. Um, <laughs> but uh, le- developed by the legendary Team Silent, who developed all the good Silent Hill games, and that's pretty yep. much all they did, actually. Um, this game uh, takes us back to the titular uh, t- town in the northeast of the United States, Silent Hill, based on towns in Maine, I believe. Yeah, it's New England, I think, something like that. Yeah. Uh, this time, un- un- you're not following Harry Mason, you're with James Sunderland. This is a completely different story set in the same town. Um, he's a, widow- a widower who journeys to the town of Silent Hill after receiving a letter from his dead wife informing him that she's waiting there for him. That's fucked up, isn't he- it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it is a psychological horror game. It's very different to a lot of its contemporaries at the time. So the lo- a lot of the horror games that were coming out in the, like the late 90s, early 2000s were very much like your Resident Evils. So they were very jump scare based. They were very... The PS2 exclusive of- Extermination. Yeah, like <laughs> they were very campy and very bloody for the sake of it. Where Silent Hill uh, uh, 2 especially did, did its best to get under your skin. 
there was it played with sound it played with the what you can and what you can't see it was an expert the the, the developers were experts at using the unseen to unsettle you when you do see the monsters in it they are horrific body monstrosities of body parts just kind of stapled together um as you go through the story you you meet um other survivors in the town who see things differently to james you meet a little girl who doesn't see the monsters you meet a man who sees the the people that he's wronged rather than the same monsters that james sees and it, it's the first game that develops this idea that silent hill reflects the mental trauma and the mental anguish of the people who inhabit it. Um, you get a heartbreaking scene. So towards the last, well, uh, before you, even that, before getting to that, actually, as you wander around until you encounter Maria, who is looks exactly like uh, James's wife Mary, but she her personality is different. She dresses different, different coloured hair, di- no, slightly different coloured hair, and yeah, she is leading James through the town. She is very coquettish. She wants, she's very, uh, she insinuates a lot with him. And as you go through the story, you get this heartbreaking scene where you, you find a videotape of Mary's last moments. And it's revealed that James, uh, Mary was suffering from, I believe it's cancer. I think she's suffering from, she's very ill. She's a very ill woman. Um, and James kills her in a mercy killing. Euthanizes her. Yeah. Everything kind of coalesces together. This is all of James's guilt. Pushing together all of his sexual frustration, all the fact that he cheated on Mary in her dying days, all the facts that he is emotionally an absolute bastard, but he's not a bad man. He's just not a good man. And all the guilt and all the pain that weighs on top of him for losing his, for the way he lost his wife and the way he behaved while his wife was dying. And it's just incredible. The soundtrack from uh, Akira Yamaoka is beautiful, haunting, terrifying, brutal. Is it like a is it is it is it a mandolin or something that he's playing? No, uh, it's, uh, it's the mandolin is Silent Hill One. Oh, so I'm thinking of that with, one. Yeah, uh, with Silent Hill Two soundtrack, it's um, it's it's kind of like early two thousands alternative indie rock. Oh God, yeah, it's just yeah. straight right, come to my head now. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, you hear that riff right in your yeah, head. Yeah, it's probably, really good. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Um, it was it was obviously a PlayStation Two game. Um, it worked with the limitations of the hardware because even in two thousand and one, people were already kind of pushing up against what the PS Two could do. We still needed fog. Still needed fog, but fog was like a, one of the biggest characters in the game. Yeah, as well. yeah. Like you say it was the yeah. unseen. You were walking around. You had that radio on you, and anytime you got close to one of the monsters, the static sound would come out of it. And it, it, it I mean, it still freaks me out if I ever hear radio static now. I still think, shit, there's a monster nearby. <laughs> um, it's like a Pavlovian response to it. And there's some of the puzzles that didn't work that well. Some of the, like the whole thing with the um, the uh, the the box the box of, of drink oh, you have to God, drop down yeah. to get a key. It's some of that stuff's really weird and very idiosyncratic. But other than that, I think it's it's a perfect game. It's it's one of those games that I don't I don't find a lot of horror games particularly scary. And the ones and like ones that try too hard to be scary just end up pissing me off by the end of it. <laughs> this this one and Silent Hill three to a, to a slightly lesser extent, but this one especially, this one put the proper dread into me, mm. the proper feeling of absolute horror. Even though I, pl- I mean, I didn't play it until twenty sixteen. Wow, yeah, I didn't play it when it was originally on the PS two, but I got an original PS two and I played it through. And even then, even seeing, even playing the horror games I've played up to this point in the higher res graphics and all that, nah, this is still a masterclass in horror. It, 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 it did the thing where I mean, there's nothing scarier than hearing an air raid siren. But how they yeah. use this in Silent Hill, my God. That, 
That still freaks me out, that's mm. that moment. Yeah. It's a scary sound in general. Yeah. I haven't even talked about the transitions from the overworld to the other world. Yeah. Where you go from the fog-covered Silent Hill to this dark, horrible, wretched, Hellraiser-looking place. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Hooks um, and chains everywhere. Yeah. Horrible. So, I mean, that's my pitch for Silent Hill too. I, regardless whether or not it goes out at this point... This is one of the greatest games ever. And made. it introduces um, Red Pyramid, Pyramid Head, the Executioner, whatever you want yeah. to call him. And he's got which, many names. Which, yes, which Konami managed to ruin in future games by overusing yes, it. They yes. Did. yes. Because they did. Pyra- Pyramid Head is very specific to James Sunderland and he should not be used in any yeah, other they games. Yeah, they, they, they did. This is Super Smash Brothers. No, they did, they did a game where he showed how he became that character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say, like, well, we is, already knew how we became yeah, to be. It's not it's real. It's Silent Hill 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking fucked up. But that wasn't yeah. Team Silent, that one. So No, no, exactly. But yeah, t- I mean, Team Silent were amazing. I, I really wish they would get back together and do and do another game. Doesn't but, have to be Silent Hill. Just put those people back in a room and see what shit they come out with. I'd love to have seen them take on a um, Project Zero, something like that. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Know what I mean? Yeah. So um, well, yeah. now do we have to... Do you two have, you have to... to choose? It's up to you three. <sighs> yeah. I'm really torn here because I love Hideo Kojima, but I also really love horror games. And I think, Stig, you described what the game was about and how it played, but you didn't really convince me with what you personally love about it. What makes it really stand out above other games? You know, it's, it's the best game. What makes it that game? That's be- Just that little pip over the edge. Um... Oh, I finished it. Spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yes, that's Many what happens games. when people ask you questions, Dig. They put you on the spot. Um, well, I, I, I've always loved Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I love the, uh, the. I was never a massive fan of Five because it kind of went away from what I love about. Metal You're Gear wrong. Solid. It's incredible. Is it? No. Shush. My time to speak. Uh, I like the. I like the lineal batshit craziness of Metal Gear Solid. I like this, the, the weird storylines, the weird characters, and I like it. It's got, it's got a start and it's got an end, but this one just, it hit all the right beats in terms of the stealthness. I mean, I'm not even a massive stealth fan. A lot of games where you need to be do stealth, I just end up running in and just same mate. Havoc. <laughs> same, but this one, I've got no patience. This, exactly, this is a game that made me play stealth and appreciate it, yeah. and I really appreciated that. And the, the story of... Naked Snake and the boss mm. is one of the best stories in all of game, in my opinion. That that f- end fight scene is just like it didn't need to be like them two running at each other, shooting big guns at each other, shooting like you know, like fighting in Metal Gears and doing stuff like that. It's a really emotional and like, like I said, it's a heart wrenching moment where these two they just they basically fight. He becomes the master. He, she was. He, he eventually takes down the boss. He becomes big boss. There's a massive twist around it at the end, which yeah. just blows your mind and everything. And it, I just, I just think it's brilliant. I think it's one of the best stealth games. You put it to Splinter Cell came out earlier that year. No one talks about that. Nope. Mm. Because this game is just like head and shoulders above most, and still a lot of stealth games. It does thing. It was doing things then that some games don't even do now, like like the camo system and everything like that. No other game does that. So and snake versus days. monkeys. Yeah, and then I mean, yeah, and then the, the, you know they added stuff like they added all the other boss battles and things, and you could go back and like just the way the the way you can take down different bosses differently. Like I, you obviously feel like in when you play in the other games, only Vamp really 
came up as a challenge. Yeah. The rest of them just seem to be like, throw some C4 down. When they get near it, blow it up. The clever thing Whereas is, this, though, when, this... when you do take the bosses down differently, you, you get rewards for it. Yeah, this made you like, think of ways to do that. Hang on, Oodles, are you campaigning on behalf of Stig here? No. I just, I just know. <laughs> he just likes to, he le- he just likes to talk because it's a game that he loves. I do love I it. <laughs> I love them both, actually. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm the same. I like both games, but for me, I loved Silent Hill 2 more. It, I it just remember it better. I, I like that dark side of that game. It was incredible. Like Gadget said, it, it just resonated more with me. That game, for some reason, I just, I remember playing all the Metal Gears, but 3 just doesn't stick out as much for me as Silent Hill 2 did. Oh, it's the best so, one? Yeah, that's my pick for me, I'm afraid. The man who created it says it's the best out of the bunch. That's, what you, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Oodles, where are you going? Can you do a director's going? cut, though? No, yes, the, that's what the subsistence was. <laughs> yeah. It is tougher than initial, I initially thought, because, yeah, Silent Hill 2 did something that I didn't think could be done. It made Resident Evil 2 look stupid when it came yeah. to when it came to scares and fear and survival yeah, yeah. horror. It made it look like a cartoon in comparison. Um Silent Hill 2 was the first game ever where I thought the game was still on at an FMV, a cutscene, but it was just it was just James staring at the mirror. At the beginning. Oh yeah, that's a great yeah. moment that. I thought yeah. it was the FMV, but no, that was me that I'm ready for the game. That was in game. And I didn't realise for about five minutes, I, I thought, what's going to happen? <laughs> Bear in mind, I'm on a CRT telly. I think that probably happened to me when I played that. Yeah, well, CRT telly. I'm, I'm miles away from the actual telly with my big, big long PlayStation 2 wire because they were long wires on the PlayStation 2. They were. And uh, I'm, I'm like, come on, what's going to happen? Is it going to jump out? Oh, shit, I'm controlling it. <laughs> so that's the first time that ever happened to me. But Metal Gear Solid 3 is one of my favourite games of all time. Uh, I'm going Metal Gear <laughs> just for that. Okay. It might be a wasted yeah. vote, but I'm going for it. One's a piece, Joe. You're the you're the uh, you're the deciding vote here. Well, I was going to go Silent Hill hands down, but Stiggy did make a really compelling argument to finish off there. He did. So I have to go with. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't there for biscuits. It was harder. I was, I was not there for biscuits. We saw flashbacks every time I see a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. And I do love Silent Hill, but I also don't like what Konami did it, but did to it. But then we're not talking about subsequent. Yeah, because what did they do to Metal Gear it? as well? I was going to yeah. say Konami did the same to Metal Gear. No, yeah. no, no. They only released that shit game survive. Like the rest of it's all Kojima. Kojima loved number three so much. He wanted the sequel to be on Vita only. That's how much he loved it. Because he he knew how big the <laughs> well, Vita was Walker, in Japan. Was Peace Walker, yeah. He knew it. What a clever man. What a smart boss. <laughs> I'm going to go with Silent Hill. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, it really hurts. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. It killed me. Just talk, like, pull me in like that and then just take a <laughs> shit on me at the I'm end. I'm still deciding myself. <laughs> Honestly, Stig, th- you've been robbed here, mate. You've yeah. been robbed. Okay. So for the second um, knockout stage... I've never played Silent Hill, by the way, so I had nothing to like come back at him love with. It. Like, you genuinely would love I, it. I genuinely, well, I genuinely couldn't come back and be like, no, I didn't have anything that I could say this is better than that because I've never played You'd it. I love it still today. Well, to, to be fair, I've never played Metal Gear Solid 3 because I can't fucking see anything in it. Yeah, there is that. 
Anyway. Love MGS3. So the second knockout stage then is going to be Final Fantasy VII, which is Biggie's Ooh, choice, versus Bioshock, which is Candy's choice. One of these is going. Oh, my God. Fuck. This is exactly what I didn't want to happen. I did not want to come up against Final Fantasy, and I didn't want to come up against Biggie either, because look at this little We've face. We've lost MGS3, so. <laughs> okay. So who's up? Go on, Biggie. Oh, okay. So, fresh in his memory, this. If you've been listening to the pod much <laughs> at all, you may have heard about this game and <laughs> me. It's Final Fantasy VII. Um, very quickly, for those that may be new listeners, this game was released in '97 on the PSX1. The game's story follows Cloud Strife, a mercenary who joins an eco terrorist organization to stop a world controlling mega corporation from using the planet's life essence as an energy source. The events Send Cloud and his allies in pursuit of Sephiroth, or Sephiroth, depending on how you say it, a former member of the corporation who seeks to harm the planet and become a god. Now, during this game, it's a JRPG. Um, if you've played one of those games before, you kind of know what you're getting with this game. But when this game came out, for me, it was something special. Um, there's a, I have a lot of history with this game. It's so special you didn't finish it. it. <laughs> Ah, but I also played it at least 24 times yeah. over those years. That's true. It's um, It was directed by, uh, forgive my pronunciation, Yoshinori Kitase, composed by Nobuo Umiatsu. Um, it's pretty much available on most platforms today. If you've never played it, you can still play it. Play now. it on your phone, mate. You can play it on your phone. This game, it was referred to... By game fan as quite possibly the greatest game ever made, GameSpot mentions that never before have technology, playability, and narrative combined as well as in Final Fantasy VII. GamePro gave it a perfect five out of five in all four categories: graphics, sound, control, fun factor. Calling the storytelling dramatic, sentimental, and touching in a way that draws you into the characters who come alive thanks to sweetly subtle body movements. <laughs> and it has a 92... <laughs> Wait, there's... I'll come back to that in a minute. But there's 92% Metacritic score currently. Wow. Now, the game does have a, a bit of a history. It was a bit of a mismatch when it got put together. It even released on the game system it wasn't originally made for. Mm. But they somehow pulled it out of the bag. The background art is fantastic. It doesn't quite always work with the 3D animated sprites, but these little sprites that you use on the screen come with a charm. Uh, when Barrett, one of the main characters, is furious, he starts wiggling his arms around, shooting everything around you. It's just, it's cuteness beyond cuteness. Um, this game features so many side quests. You could literally mainline this game or you could spend hours and hours and hours trying to find every single secret. There's memorable music. There's interesting enemies. It's still entertaining now since it's been released. It's even had a movie made of it and to follow the story on as well. And there's currently a remake, which is still in development now as a series. There's so many secrets to uncover, creating friendships along the way. There's a flexible combat system with so many choices of magic and incredible summons to watch and discover and combine. Not be able to skip. <laughs> Shut up, you. It's not yours. Um, but yeah, I just love this game. I've played it so many times. It's my comfort game. I did only just finish it this year, but it's a game that I could even play again now. Mm. I just 
switch it on, start hearing that music come in. I know exactly what's happening in the game when I hear the music. I just love it so much. And if you've never played it, please, please, please play it. Mm. Good pitch, man. Good pitch. And then, uh, Candy? Your rebuttal. Right then. So I'm going with Bioshock. Um, and I'm going to just focus on the first entry, even though it's important to keep in mind that the series as a whole is kind of perfectly encapsulated as a trilogy. So the game starts, you're in a plane crash, drop into the middle of the ocean by a mysterious lighthouse, which subsequently leads you to the underground city of Rapture, which is incomplete and utter chaos. Um, the gameplay is so simple, yet so effective. Um, it proves that a game doesn't have to be overly complicated and mechanics to be a masterpiece. It's shoot, bang, zap, heal, and that's all you need. <laughs> Upgrading yourself and your weapons and abilities, it's a feature that is present, but it's not sort of overly important. You just have to kind of get better at the game to progress. Um, at the beginning of the game, it's just you and your wrench. So you get thrown into the world that's descended into complete chaos and anarchy, completely overrun with splices, and you do feel sort of genuinely vulnerable, I think. It's absolutely packed full of atmosphere. It's a genuinely unsettling game in some parts, despite it not being marketed as a horror game. It does use devices from classic horror films, such as seeing the shadow of the splicer around the corner just seconds before all the lights go out, and that's uh, pretty unnerving, to say the least. <laughs> the world building in itself is incredible. It's such a unique setting. It's one of the few games of its generation to reconsider what would make a new and exciting environment. Not only is it set in a city underwater, um, but it has that real kind of Art Nouveau style, you know, all the sort of brasses and coppers of the 40s and 50s, nice square patterns set against that turquoisey background. And it's got a soundtrack that sort of matches in with that as well. And in the moments you do hear a um, abandoned radio come across, um, you know, it's playing. How much is that doggy in the window just playing along to itself? And you just know there's something around the corner. You haven't seen it yet, but it's just that horrible grisly that hot neck feeling where you know something's about to jump out at you um it has got multiple endings um one of the few bad endings that made me feel sort of genuine remorse for a decision i'd made it was just a snap decision just to make my life slightly easier at the time and i definitely questioned my own morals <laughs> and the story like the environment it's compelling it's full of twists um, twist turns, surprises at, at one certain point will make you look back at the entire game um, up until that particular point in a completely different light. It questions human nature, morality, free will. And I can't really think of any other game that's genuinely shocked me as much as that particular moment. It has to be in the top 10 plot twists, I think, of all time. Um, Oodles, I saw your face when you got to that <laughs> moment. It was like watching the five stages of grief. It's incredible. Um, it's incredible. It really is. It is incredible. It just just thinking about it now, it's just goose goosebump central. Um, and the levels sort of on the face of it, they seem quite simple, just go from room to room. But actually, they're really well thought out, and they need to be played intelligently. You can't just kind of going back to that feeling of vulnerability. You can't just go sort of bulldozing into it. Yeah, you can. Not with twenty. Mm, I did. I mean, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't get you very far from. No, I saw a few deaths. I teleported more than anyone in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. But you do. You have to. You have to think out your route. You have to make a plan B and a plan C, and that still won't work. And again, it makes you just kind of question your own decisions, um, which is addressed. But in terms of like even the big daddies and stuff, they're not aggressive towards you until you're aggress aggressive towards them. Mm. So the, just for atmospherics and the story and the visuals as well, for the, for the time it came out, it still holds up now. 
And I know there's a remaster, but it didn't change much in terms of the visuals because it didn't need to. It's just completely, for atmosphere, it's just it's second to none, I think. Excellent. And I've just realised how fucked I am when I've got Gadget with his Rapture background. Stiggy's never played the game <laughs> and never will. And I've just got Oodles probably in my uh, corner, perhaps, but he's also just played uh, Bioshock <laughs> as well. <laughs> And also, I've just literally pulled a piece of Bioshock artwork off my wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and don't forget, I have my Rapture background, and I also have my Rapture yeah. foreground because I've got an art canvas right in front of me of Rapture. So I'm pretty much going to I love Final Fantasy VII, but I'm going Bioshock. It's one of my favourite games of all time. Is that you just in straight away? Just straight away. It's not even worth me arguing. Like, don't get me wrong, I love Final Fantasy VII. It's an amazing game, mm. but I love Bioshock. No, it's like me with MG- MGS and Silent Hill. It's like, yeah, they're yeah. both incredible. It's no contest. Sorry, Biggie. I'm never going to play it. I never will. I don't like those games. <laughs> I love Bioshock, so... <laughs> Sorry. If I'd have played it, maybe, but I just I just have no interest in them. So. You can play on your PS5 now. Hmm? You can play it on your PS4. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say anymore. Sorry. Like, it was a losing battle from my end from the get go. You could have given the greatest, like, could have been the greatest speech of all time, most compelling argument of all time, but I. I've... You can have a blowy. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Anyway, no, it's uh, sorry, Bioshock. It might take me a while to get there. By the way, it's not going to happen tonight. Bioshock was in my short <laughs> short list of like the, when we were going to do this. So, like, no, nah, that's fair, fair dues. Over to you, Oodles. Um, oh, I can't win anyway, can I? You no, can't. but you might as well. No, but yeah. there's obviously. I want to hear the devil's advocate point of view. Um, Bioshock is a modern day masterpiece. Um, I know I played it. I was very late to the party. Uh, I played it on Switch and it still looked incredible. It still ran incredible. I'm terrible at it, but I still managed to get what's considered the best ending, even though I finished it drunk. I I don't think I'll forget Bioshock for a very long time in my life, ever. And it was nice to have someone like, I had Gadget and everyone else watching me in the background, like Gadget constantly reminding me that, yeah, I need to spare the little girls if I'm if I've got any morals whatsoever. Yeah, because he knew That's I wasn't it. gonna. <laughs> yeah, and it's also how you get the good ending. You let one of those little girls die, yeah. and you get the bad ending mm. straight away. Yeah, and I, I was I was I'd have just harvested their organs if I had to. Do you know what I mean to get more powerful? <laughs> but no, I, I persevered, and I was underpowered because of that. But then it pays off. The longer it does. you, you pays dividends. It, yeah, yeah, and. It's that for me in gaming. That is a massive, like, stroke of of, of rewriting the rule books. Like, there's not many first person shooters, if you want to call it that, that, I can say I truly love. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not my genre. It's like Stig with JRPGs. First person games are not my genre whatsoever. Final Fantasy VII. I've gone on record to say I believe I overhyped that as a kid. I, um, in retrospect, I don't think it's as good as people say. And it's my least favourite PlayStation generation Final Fantasy. So does that mean you're going Bioshock? But it's got a Nobuo Imatsu soundtrack. I'm going Bioshock, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't feel good about that. That doesn't feel like a good win. 
Although, in all fairness, <laughs> I love Bioshock myself. I absolutely love Bioshock. So the draws are now going to be Bloodborne versus The Witcher 3, Silent Hill 2 versus GTA 3, Dragon Quest 11 versus Bioshock, and Skyrim versus Half-Life 2. So we'll start with um, the, the, the first drawing, which is Bloodborne, which is my game, versus The Witcher 3, which is Oodles' <laughs> game. That's like telling me which child I want to kill. <laughs> Well, we know because you've got cattle prodders. It's not a problem, Cowgun. is it? Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> no choice anymore. Well, right. Oodles, would you, would you like to start off and lead us in with The Witcher 3? Witcher 3's the second best game ever made. Ever. Um, it is the absolute zenith of last generation uh, console action role-playing adventure games. Sedeprayek um, Red... Uh, created this game. It took them forever. What felt like forever for me to make it, but they they just, oh my God. The difference between Witcher 2 and Witcher 3 is astronomical. This game is just incredible. It's the, it's the game that makes mainline oodles not mainline a game. Do you know what I mean? That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a big thing. That, it, I, I have literally played this on every console that I can. Uh, I haven't been able to play it on PC because I don't have a powerful enough laptop. But I've played from start to finish. I've got every single ending that's ever existed. I've played all the incredible, incredible DLCs. I've played them multiple times. It's the tale of Geralt of Rivia, the Witcher. Everyone knows who the Witcher is. It's an absolute... It is massive now. It's a phenomenon. Obviously with the show and stuff like that and the books. Um, what can I say? It's, I'm, I'm trying to stick with a three-minute rule as well, by the way. Um, and I just... I, I don't know. It's just incredible. It's... it's the best one, one of probably, yeah, the best open world action role playing game you can think of, in my opinion. Um, people moan about the combat. It's absolutely fine. The combat's fine. Stop being ridiculous. Hey, <laughs> this, this, this game, you can play the game without tech. I mean, not, not many, but you can, apart from the bosses, you, can, you don't have to fight. Do you know what I mean? You can, you can talk your way out of things. It's. Yes, it's a role-playing game that you don't get to decide your role. You are Geralt of Rivia, but you can you can make him your Geralt of Rivia. You can even shave his beard off if you want, if you're a weirdo. Um, it's just oh, it's so good. Just think about the moments that we've got. We've got Crookback Bog. We've got the Red Baron. We've got, I don't know. That's the same quest. It's not. It's two separate quests. <laughs> uh, we, we, we've got the first time you set foot on Skelliger. We've got the first time you go to Toussaint. Uh, it's so, oh my god! It's so incredible! It's just so good that that this, the interactions with trolls because trolls are actual sentient creatures, but they're not very smart. Um, we've got uh, the spells that the signs you've got. Uh, oh, it's just so good! Come on, it's Witcher three best game. <laughs> three minutes. Okay, so uh, my rebuttal for Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne released the same year as The Witcher three. In fact, about a month beforehand. Um, made by. The Venerable From Software, uh, directed by the legendary Hidetaka Miyazaki. Um, this is the ultimate refinement of the, of the Dark Souls far- formula. It's an action RPG set in the fictional town of Yharnam, where werewolves have appeared. Or rather, beasts are among the players, and you're part of the hunt. You're advised quite early on to fear the old blood, but to make sure that you last through the night and hunt down every beast that you can find. Combat-wise, this game refines everything that Dark Souls and Demon Souls did before to a razor-sharp 
That pun intended it, as well. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make the pun, but it's it's kind of fallen at the back of my head. It's it basically it refines it down to perfection. It is fast. You're encouraged. There are no shields. There is one. Well, there is one shield in the game, and it don't takes use it. The piss out of you for <laughs> yeah. It takes the piss out of you for wanting to use it. Uh, the game encourages you to be very very aggressive. Like you will take damage from enemies, but if you hit them fast enough afterwards, you'll get a lot of that health back. It encourages you to move. It's you move so much faster than you ever did in Dark Souls at any time. In fact, so much so that Dark Souls Three took a lot of the movement tech from Bloodborne because people like that fast, hyperactive movement. The art style is utterly gorgeous. You go through uh, Central Yarnum, and it's like it's it's like looking at Tim Burton's view of London. It's <laughs> utterly gorgeous. It's dark, wrought iron, bloody, wet, horrible, disgusting in places. The boss fights are cathartic and incredible. Some of the boss fights aren't even ridiculous monsters. Like One of my favourite boss fights is Father Gascoigne, who is another hunter. He is a hunter like you. And it is the most energetic, balletic fight in the game, or at least one of them. Anyway. Then he turns into a ridiculous monster. He does turn into a ridiculous monster, yes, and then you get to knock the shit out of a, a ridiculous monster. Um, it, the score for it is absolutely beautiful. And I'm thinking back to what Stig was saying when he was t- talking about Metal Gear Solid uh, 3 about the fight with the boss at the end, because I've seen that on YouTube. And yeah, it's a, fi- it, it's a fight in a field with white flowers, but it's nothing <clears throat> compared to the fight with German at the end of um, Blood Bowl. It is. That fight is beautiful. Ah, the, but you, the soundtrack that comes up, the way that you actually no dance through this graveyard, it's Utterly, utterly, astonishingly. I good. love that fight with German, but it's no, it's no, it's no big, it's no the boss. You have to, have, you have to have the emotional <laughs> connection for that boss fight. Like, I, if you've just watched it on YouTube, it's like, uh, well, yeah, of course, I'm not going to have the emotional yeah. connection. I can't play the fucking game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, for me, for me, like when I play Dark Souls, when I play Demon Souls or Dark Souls Two, or whatever, there are bits of those games I don't like. Bits that I think, oh, this sucks. For instance, the Bed of Chaos or uh, the Gutter. Or, you know, places like, like, like bits of the game where it's just like, you know, they haven't done their best. There's not a bit like that in uh, Bloodborne. There is. It's got the, especially... the Chalice Dungeons. And they don't count towards the main story, though. Like, the, when I'm, I'm talking about the, just the main game mm-hmm. here. Okay. Like, even when you go into the DLC, like, you, you know, a lot of DLCs can be forgiven as thought as like afterthoughts of that, but the DLC just takes it up to the next level. You've got this huge ascending tower that you have to work your way up with fucking uh, just puzzles on where the stairs lie. You have the Living Failures, which is a really, actually, very creepy boss fight. Mm. Um, but then you get into Lady Maria. Oh, that fight is incredible. I it's argue with like that. An, it's almost like an anime battle. It's just <laughs> the visual spectacle of this fight, which the thing you would think you would miss most of it, given how fast it is and how much concentration is required to beat her. But no, it's just incredible, and you, it stays with you. And then you get the final battle with the Orphan of Cos, one of the most annoyingly difficult fights in any From Software game. But when you beat it, the scream that it makes when it dies, it's just like, yeah, I fucking killed this game. I fucking killed you. <laughs> but yeah, um, From, so- From Software always gets me going. Like, I, There's not a single one of their games I dislike, but Bloodborne is the greatest that they've done and probably the, my favourite game of all time. It hasn't got a cohesive story like The Witcher 3, though, has it? <laughs> Does that matter? Not really. Just saying. <laughs> well, I'm going to make this easy for me. Um, I haven't played Bloodborne apart from the first hour and struggled because I didn't understand what I was doing wrong. Now I do because I played Dark Souls and I will play 
Bloodborne one. Oh, day. you love it. But I, ha- but I have played Witcher three, and I love that game. And it's what stop made me stop playing Fallout four when I realised <laughs> just how bad Fallout four is compared to that's when you see what they should have done. I loved Fallout three. It's one of my favourite. It's one of my all time games. Mm. I have to say, I played that game to death. And I loved Fallout 3, and I was so excited for Fallout 4. And Fallout 4 came out, and it was so similar to how Fallout 3 kind of looked and felt, but it wasn't enough for me. And then I played The Witcher, and I was like, oh, my God, this is what you can do? Mm. This is what you can do with a game like Fallout 3? And just, yeah, Yeah. I was blown away. So easy for me, Witcher 3. Yeah, I'm going to go with Witcher as well. Um, For me, it's controversially, I don't like the art style of Bloodborne. Um, I, I find it a bit dreary and a bit, it's just a bit ick. And I didn't really like the accessibility as well. I know not all games have to be easy or have to cater to different skill levels, but I would have liked the choice, especially having not played any previous Souls games mm. or anything. So I'm going with Witcher 3. I mean, it doesn't really matter now, does it? Yeah. Um, but you got a game that I didn't really like against a game I've never played. So... <laughs> 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 Which one haven't you played? Witcher 3. You love it. Okay, so we'll, we'll count that as a vote for Bloodborne by by default. Well, I probably <laughs> would have gone with which. I think I would enjoy. I know I would enjoy Witcher three more. I like do. If I eventually yeah. should play it, and I know the PS five has got some uh, like upgrades upgrade yeah. coming. Yeah. Coming. So I'm thinking about playing it on that when I can. Oh, I'd love but, to see um, you play that, man. Oh, I know. Man. That I just know the story. Those fantasy style stories, the type of game. I just enjoy that a lot more. I, I tried Bloodborne. I really did. I struggled for God knows how long to get past around the first fucking corner. Yeah, it's, it, it, was, it, it, exactly. The it's same a tough for me. start. Is Bloodborne? It is, but it, it gets. Go, easier. I went like up one set of stairs, across, down one set of stairs. I just kept getting battered, and I was like, "This is not fun." I was like, I was looking for stuff like. It's not telling me what to do. I never played a From Software game before, so I didn't realise that it was literally just throw you in there. Yeah. People were just like, this is going to be amazing, play it. So I was like, okay, I'll play it. And then I went onto the forum, and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? And they went, just run away so you can set yourself. Don't actually fight them, run away, set yourself, and then roll, and then you can do the dodging. And I was like, oh, okay, then I got it a bit more. But I still I still can't get on with them. Um, yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, yeah, I'll get- it's always a hard sell with this group. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's only really oodles that could go for it so being up against him I know I would have voted for it against work. anything else no one <laughs> honestly it's just I just I, I do want to try Demon's Souls on the PS5 I want to give him a go I just yeah, I don't think yeah, Demon's I mean, Souls is a good start though to be fair no Dark Souls is the better Dark start. Souls is the better start for the whole series yeah uh, no it's not <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yes yeah, so that's Witcher 3 going forward yes. Um Next up, we have me again, Silent Hill 2 versus Biggie, Grand Theft Auto 3. So do you want to go? We've already heard Yeah, you don't have pitch to pitch it Silent again, too. Yeah. yeah, so do you want to go, go for your pitch, Biggie? Yeah, so uh, GTA 3. So this was released in 2001, um, set within the fictional Liberty City, uh, which is kind of loosely based on New York City. The story follows a silent protagonist called Claude. He had a name? Who, I didn't even know he had a name. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Who, after oh, cool. being betrayed and left for dead by his girlfriend during a robbery, embarks on a quest for revenge that leads him to become entangled in a world of crime, drugs, gang warfare, and corruption. All the best things. This, today has sold 14.5 million copies. Um, during the story, Claude meets various uh, characters from the gangs as you go around doing missions and stuff. 
depending on which gang you've been doing favors for. You get attacked from other gangs. So this open world kind of feels like you're living and breathing it. If you don't want to go to an area that's particularly threatening, then you can just. And when I played this game, it just blew my mind. Um, all you really, really need to do is go and check out a screenshot of any of the GTA games before three and look at the difference <laughs> yeah. where it went from GTA Bird's eye view. view to this 3D world, living and breathing. And when I played this game at one point, I just followed people around like a stalker, just <laughs> listening to conversations, just getting into cars, just driving around the city with the incredible made-up radio stations. The amount of work that went into that soundtrack is just incredible. Um, but yeah, just I just love this game. It was the, the way it went from that to the, sorry, the top-down 2D to the 3D for me was just an absolute game-changer. The influence this game has had on games, even now to this date, is still there. You can look at your Far Cries. Um, you can look at any game that has missions-based uh, Assassin's Creed. It's all coming back to this game. You've got rampages you can discover. There's hidden packages if you just want to go and hunt them jumps. down. You can even... Jumps. You can even be um, like a fireman or an ambulance or a paramedic driving a taxi. You can drive people for, from yeah, the house can. to work <laughs> if you want to and earn money that way. Um, it's just... Open world for the first time for me, it was a living, breathing world, and it just it's for me, it's that moment in history in my gaming life where my mind was blown. It was an absolute game changer for me, and you can still play this game now, still enjoy it. Uh, yes, it might look a little bit janky compared to games currently, but that's just the way things are. But the fact you can still play this game and enjoy it, um, I love it, I just think it's an incredible achievement. Um, yeah, just a great, marvel. Great pitch, mate. Great pitch. Hmm. I'm not going first with this one. <laughs> I mean, I will concede GTA 3 was a great game and had a massive impact at the time. Like, I love it. It was the first game I got for my PS2. Yeah, same. I should go... I don't know. I, you, you guys... I suppose I should have to go to GTA 3 because it's the only one I've played out of the two. Yeah. Um, But... He picked the wrong GTA, didn't he? He picked the wrong GTA for me, yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you pick Vice Why? City? Come on. It's my choice. I know it is, but Vice City and San Andreas and GTA 5 have all bettered them. And I, I, but this I know is it's your choice. And it's your, this is, it is, me, this but is there, there are games that have... They are, one of the greatest games, because the rest that followed it are just taking this blueprint. Yeah, yeah. Making yeah. It better. Mm. I'm making it better, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, I, would, I would have said San Andreas was the definitive one of the PS2. It's got everything, ones. hasn't it? Yeah, everyone's got a favourite. Everyone's got a favourite. Five, favorite. four, San Andreas, Vice. I love Vice City. Four. Well. I don't think four is anyone's favourite. It's the game is it? changer. Yeah, Some like people four. do like that. Mm. I don't like the driving physics in four. <laughs> four, yeah. Yeah. four, four bored me. The storyline bored me as well, mate. Cousin, come play bowling yeah, with yeah. me. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I know that I would love Silent Hill too, but I've not played it. I feel like I can't, in good faith, say like, oh, you know. I can't vote for a game based on what I know I would potentially like over yeah. a game that I did play and I did actually really love. Um, my my argument would have been if it would have been drawn against me, Biggie would have been that like there are better versions of this game. But yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, but yeah. I'm, it's from my opinion. Oh I yeah, think of course, that's the the change from two I get to three it. was just something I get it, else. But yeah, like sorry, gadget. I know I I know I would yeah, love Sand Hill too, but I've not played it. I can't. 
Just just promise me at some point you'll even just emulate it because it is very much worth Don't your time. Don't play the play. HD remasters. Oh, good no, God, no, 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 no. Okay. They get rid of the fog. They get rid of all all the good stuff about it. The mystery. They get rid of the voice actors. I was going to say they recast the voice actors in it as well for some stupid reason. <laughs> yeah. It it gets all Troy Baker up in there. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Troy. Yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hear about that later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand that GTA did it really did set the bar. But I'm going to have to go with Silent Hill just for the atmosphere. Oh, so shit, yeah, it's so Silent it's Hill down me. to me. Should have yeah, gone first. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Hill 2, as I stated, it got psychological horror right the first time. I don't think Silent Hill 1 lives up to its pedigree. Silent Hill 2, no, so, so, Silent Hill 2 Silent is Hill. the pedigree. Yeah, Silent Hill 1 hasn't aged very well. No. And it did a lot of things right, but it was also a reasonably conventional story. Like when you get into the, yeah, kind of the, yeah. the back, back half of it, it's just like, oh, it's cultists. Yeah. <laughs> Silent, Silent Hill 2 just did thing. It, it did things to me on, on such a level, an unnerving level. Like it, it, it gave me gaming OCD that I've never had before. Like I checked every door from, from yep. anti-clockwise. I always did it anti-clockwise for whatever reason. I don't know why. And I check. I think everyone did left. Say. Yeah, you, do, you, do, you, do, you just check every door, and you take every every floor at a time. And it does the, the. I love a good map in a game. I love a good map. Oh, it's a good map as well. It's isn't a good it? map, and even the remakes of Resident Evil have taken that type of map, and yeah. and and spinned it into their own way. Um, GTA Three though. Hmm. Hmm. I remember seeing it on official PlayStation magazine. I was like, this game doesn't exist. I can't exist. <laughs> this cannot exist. You know what I mean? It's, it's No way can you just not do a mission and go around and just use a baseball bat on people and steal the money and do all that and crash into shop windows and stuff. Yeah, you couldn't go in every building, but why would you bother when outside's so fun? Ah. <sighs> Basically, trying to see how long I could stay alive for by finding yeah. the highest and point. that dodo <laughs> airplane. Oh my god! Shooting people, seeing how long it would take for the police to try and get me. Tanks would turn up. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm, GTA Three, man. Wow. Um, but you went for the wrong GTA, Biggie. In my opinion, Vice City really just changed everything for me. It made me fall in love with that series, with music, the characters, Ray Liotta. Um. I'm gonna have to go with Silent Hill too. Sorry, mate. Right, excellent. It meant more to me. It did more things for me. Same platform. I know that. I get that. But yeah, Silent Hill too, man. I'd play that tomorrow or tonight, but I wouldn't play GTA Three ever again. I don't think. That's that's the difference. Sorry, mate. <laughs> if you'd said Vice City, mate, it'd have won. It, it would have won for me if you said Vice City. <sighs> I'm out. I don't have anything. Yeah, Biggie's out now. Go on if you want. Cheers, mate. <laughs> I am home. Good, stay there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah. We need your vote, pal. <laughs> so, ne- so next up, we're going to be hearing a lot from Oodles because it's uh, Dragon Quest Eleven versus Bioshock. Mm. Biggie will remember these folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, now I know Dragon Quest Eleven is not for everyone. It is a 
Japanese role-playing game, and it is the most Japanese role-playing game you could ever play. It is quite Japanese. Oh, it, oh yes, it is. Um, this is the only game that I've completed and played that many times. I'm not. I don't want to divulge exactly how many times because it's disgusting. Uh, it's a hundred plus <laughs> hour JRPG. Like it doesn't break the mold. That's the weird thing. It perfects the recipe, if you get me. It doesn't do anything new for the genre at all. And those that have played it and completed it know exactly what I mean. It perfects it. It's like everyone loves a Sunday roast, but you when you always remember that really good Sunday roast you've had, and you may never have that one again. Or, I don't know, some kind of cooking. It, <laughs> the, the, the trouble is I'm trying to defend something that, no one's played, and we we know how that works. Um, I know Biggie's played it, but he hasn't played it enough to to separate it from the likes of Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that, because it's not that different at first. It's it's on hour fifty, hour sixty, where it really changes and becomes truly special. Um, I just I would have not been happy with myself if I'd not put it in this in this uh, tournament because it's surpassed. The Witcher 3 is my favourite, because The Witcher 3 was my favourite game of all time, and now this is. Um, Good conviction. It's just it's just how it is, mate. It's just how it yeah. is. I'm not, I'm not as good at speaking as you lot when it comes to describing why I like something. I just do. It's just comfort. It's just it's pure. <laughs> I can play it on any platform I want to play it on currently. I can... I've literally got saves across multiple devices where I can just start that save. I can look at my stats and go, right, I'm here. I know exactly where I need to go. I know exactly what I need to do. And then just slot in. We've all got that thing. Some people play Tetris forever and they've played it since early 90s. I've got Dragon Quest Eleven now. Do you know what I mean? It's my little, it's, it's my comfort. The music's really good. But it, the thing is, it's not new music. It's music from older games. The, the combat is the same as the older games, but refined and perfected. And it's funny, it's cute, it's just, like I've already, I've described this before in reviews I've done about it, and I've, I've wrote verbatim about it, it's a bedtime story of a game. I can play 10 minutes of this and get something out of it, or I can play 10 hours of it and get something out of it as well. It's just, it always, it always hits in the right places, it's, it's funny, it's sad, it's beautiful to look at, it's, it's just, I adore it. It's, for me, it's the pinnacle of my personal tastes, and I just, I just love it. And I wish more people. I don't even care if it gets any further in this. I just wish more people would give it a go just by listening to how much someone adores something. And I mean, I listened to Stig when he told me about Hollow Knight to play it properly, and he knows I adore that game now, and it it, it paid off. And I know he's not going to play this, but at least one day, maybe. <laughs> One day, maybe. One day, maybe. When no more, when no more games exist, <laughs> it's just. I just, I just. I, you know, I love this genre, and for me, it's it's the pinnacle. It's just incredible. I love it. Thank you. So I'll go first very quickly. I've played about four hours of Dragon Quest Eleven. Bounced off it not because it's a bad game, but because it just wasn't for me at the time. Like it takes a lot for me to get into a JRPG. So it's Bioshock, unfortunately, Oodles. Oh no! 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 I know! I know! On Biggie, uh, I, I can go you next. I'm the same. I'm enjoying playing Dragon's Quest. I love it. It's, I mean, it's a JRPG. It's a great game, 
and I can not appreciate how good it might be because I haven't got there yet. But I have played Bioshock, yeah, so for me it's Bioshock. Oh, I was 100%. hoping Biggie might go Dragon Quest, and I could have said Dragon Quest and got Bioshock out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I just want people to give it a chance. Tactical I vote with the there. truth. No, like I, it was never gonna. I was always gonna choose Bioshock, like regardless. Just, like, give, it, just give it a chance, guys. It's, it's, it's a beautiful game. It's, it's got more. To, will, it's, it's got more to give than you realize. It's very charming, and I haven't even. It's so charming. If you like games front, like, it is very like charming. People say, "Oh God." It, I love I love playing um, Animal Crossing. It's so wholesome. This is wholesome as well. Yeah, so nice. Play it. Yeah, I don't I don't want to add anything because I don't want to argue against somebody that's so passionate about their favorite game. So I will give it a go. Yeah, it's just so nice. There's some top West Country accents in the opening of it. You're right, me barber. Oh, I love it then. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, she's called Gemma. Okay, so the last matchup that we have then is um, Skyrim versus Half-Life 2. So that's Jewel versus... Fucking hell, they're mammoths. <laughs> Skyrim. Skyrim actually has mammoths, though, so that's one point for it so far. The, 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 so it's your going first, I mean, then, I don't like either games, so <laughs> go for it. Uh, right then, Skyrim. So if you have lived under a rock for the last decade, Skyrim's an RPG from Bethesda Game Studios, and it's directed by my husband, Todd Howard. Um, <laughs> nepotism there. Why are you laughing? <laughs> um, so it's first. It's not the first Western RPG, but it was the first to kind of steal the crown from JRPGs, in my opinion. Um, it was the first West, Western game to get a perfect score in Famitsu magazine. It's standard for almost a decade of role-playing. Fully immersive sandbox game. You can play as any type of character you want. Melee, mage, werewolf, vampire, good, bad, multiple races. You could be a healer and let your companion do the fighting. You can get married or have kids, be a lone, lone wanderer. There's a decent character appearance and be a bad. for its time as well. No. I don't. No. You can shout pretty well. No. You can shout pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a huge map. Um, not as big as Sun, but what it does how it's it's filled up beautifully you can go where you want when you want you can spend hours upon hours in the world without even touching the main story even in the vanilla game with no dlc or mods very little content is locked away from new players Uh, you can have a vastly different experience with it with each playthrough depending on the choices you make um i know this is commonplace now but it wasn't so much when it came out it's got amazing attention to detail the written dragon language is designed to be written with claws the map updates to your actions in real time. So if you use a sky clearing shell and open the map, then that area will be clear of clouds. Wow. It created an entire dragon language. Um, and veteran players still to this day stumble across things they've never seen before. The atmosphere feels the atmosphere feels alive and magical. And remember looking into the wintry dark sky to the north of the map and listening to the incredible score and seeing the northern lights dancing around the two moons or seeing that first dragon sweep down overhead in the opening scene and absolutely shitting yourself at the size of it. <laughs> um, I, I've played it in VR and I don't think I've ever shit myself quite so much. Like, I almost <laughs> ran through my living room wall. I didn't even though it was VR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, is and it will make you vomit. everything. Yeah, no. oh, it's it on is, my microwave. It's on the fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's the next Doom. <laughs> um, the graphics for its time were pretty beautiful. I know some of the characters are a little bit blocky, but the scenery itself, I remember walking to the first ri- uh, village of Riverwoods and seeing just the lush vegetation in the river and foxes and wildlife running around. The soundtrack from Zeremy's Soul is perfect. It's relaxing when you're just wandering around the map with no other agenda. 
than just exploration. It's tense when it needs to be. Um, and listening to the soundtrack just makes me want to fire up, like fire up the game and play it right now. Like, I can't think of a more rousing opening theme. Like starting up the game and hearing the Snake Dragonborn Eater. theme. Nah, no, you're wrong there. It's the the sort of Nordic chanting. It really makes me feel like I could, I could actually take on a dragon or lead an <laughs> army into battle. You can hear the clashing of swords within the music. You can hear the dragon's roar in the voices. And whoa, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. And it holds up by today's standards. Um, the fact that there's a huge community still playing the game or even picking it up for the first time 10 years later is a testament to this. Um, I'm not going to mention the modding scene too much because it, do- it doesn't really count as the kind of main game, but even the fact that there are modders still willing to work on it and that they want to play, you know, play it still, um, they just want to still pay it attention. And if it, you know, if it wasn't a brilliant game, people would have, lo- would have lost interest. And it's just the best game ever, it really is. <laughs> Great pitch. Okay, and stick for Half-Life 2. This is the best game ever. Sorry, Skyrim. (laughs) Developed by Valve. It's 2004 sequel to 1998's Half-Life. This game, they made a whole engine for this game. Wow. They spent five years and $40 million creating an engine to make this game. Like That's how big this game is. Uh, Gabe Newell set his team a goal of redefining the first-person shooter genre focusing on advanced physics systems and non-playable characters, and they did that. The physics in this game are insane. So this is set 20 years after the events of Black Mesa. It's You have you are Gordon Freeman again. It's your classical hero, hero's journey, uh, model set pieces, story developments, and action escalations that are carefully structured and the trials of learning and trial. There's a lot of trial and error in a lot of this. And you play as from Gordon Freeman, you are start out as this bit, you're quite isolated to start with, and you work yourself up to basically be crossbar Jesus. You, <laughs> you become the messiah of the city. Um, everyone wants, loves Gordon Freeman, everyone wants to support him to take down the combine. Uh, and it just doesn't, this in a number of ways, it's either through its storytelling, its openness and its approach to its combat, its atmosphere, the realistic physics, uh, the amazing transitions between levels so there's you aren't ferried through loading screens you you half-life 2 feels like a, a long single adventure rather than a series of events where you're transported from one location to another so rather than it being like oh we've done this section and we fly off in a helicopter and then we go back to this you know like a lot of these games and then oh, here's the mission, and we go off there. You're constantly moving throughout this world. Every area you move to is seamlessly woven together as part of your journey. Uh, most games didn't do that back then. Most games don't do that now. It's do It did things that people don't even do now, even though they could easily do that now with the technology and the fast loading and that we've got. Um, there's no big opening cutscene or anything, which I, I, I like. There's no scenario setting up the world. You wake up on a train, you're thrown into like this oppressive and bullying like railway station, you're whisked away quickly to try and, you know, to join the team. And Valve kind of trusted the player to not be spoon fed from the get go. It's, you are thrown into this world as Gordon Freeman, as confused as he is as a character, um, even though he's a silent protagonist. Uh, from there, you, there's so many fantastic moments. Uh, the settings from obviously the, there's a frantic kind of gunfight chase through the city, uh, you through the Raven home, which is, amazing like bleak and lonely and nightmarish um 
then you all these other sections like the highway in the 17 and then running from the ant lions through the sand before you actually like you get to control them and you work out how to like take control of these creatures and use them to your benefits um but mainly the the game developers did it's all about empowerment of the character so most of it um you know, most of the games with empowerment, it's like, oh, you're a big badass guy with a big gun and big explosions. Mm. And Half-Life 2 doesn't do that. It understands the real effective narrative empowerment in a long-term journey. Like, it perilously delivers every beat that matters. It's not just, like, about, like, not who's got the biggest gun and who can, you know, make the biggest explosions. Um, yeah, the, prog- the progression is his experiences and stuff like that. Like, he, yeah, he's, he's exactly. getting more, picking more stuff up as he's going along. Yeah, so the game gives you all these abilities to change your immediate environment, mm. like through creative and expressive ways. Like there's a, there's like ten different weapons, each has like their own abilities, disadvantages, advantages, and nuances. In like different situations, you can you you'll, you you're kind of taught to use different weapons to get through different. And that's what I meant about trial and error. Sometimes you'll try a different a gun, but this is not working in this situation. So I'll do this, and it works, and and you, and you kind of. You can figure that out. And then obviously there's a gravity gun. Like the gravity gun is not matched to this day in terms of its creative creativity or uses, in my opinion. It gives you an agency, an ownership of how and you do things. Um, you can pick up saw blades and shoot the saw blades at people. You can pick up canisters and shoot wow. a canister into a into a group of combine. It's so much more satisfying than just throwing a grenade. You can even like move objects around, like you can bump a car like out of the way so you can use it as cover you can you can do all sorts kinds of shit with a gravity gun and then when it becomes overpowered and you can just fling men around with it that's when it just becomes just ridiculous and fun yeah it's it's just an amazing game like full of like great characters great inventive weapon inventive weapons and this game came out in 2004 and it's probably the sequel that everyone wants a game to of all games. No, and they never shut up about it, do they? Exactly. If this game was bad, no one would want a sequel. True. But this but everyone wants a sequel to this game because that game was amazing and it still stands the test of time. And like Candy said with Skyrim, there's a modern scene behind this behind Half Life games as well that's still going strong to this day. And I think if you play Half Life Two now you'll still get enjoyment out of it. Yeah, there'll be things that don't you know that some modern shooters might do a little bit better, but this still like plays extremely well. Well, I love Half Life Two. I remember the first time going through um, Raven Home, and think, and it's just in the game. It's just after you get the gravity gun and you walk past a table with a load of um, circular saw blades. Don't you think? Can I, can I do this? <laughs> yeah, and you do. Uh, oh, and, you, and you've picked it up, and then all of a sudden, there's something triggers behind you, and a couple of uh, headlight uh, um, head crab zombies burst through the door. You're like, can I really? And then you fire it at them and it cuts them in half and you're like, oh shit, yeah. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> like it's it is it is a really, really good game. And it's it was, I if I actually remember the first time I got it on release day in two thousand and four. You're a big PC like, guy then as well. PC. Sort of there. I had mm-hmm. a game it was I'm a PC for college, but it it was good enough to play games on. Yeah. I remember plug it in. I remember the opening cutscene. And the opening cutscene is still stuck in my head. It's this uh, you see bits of um City Seventeen, you see some of the Citadel. And it's uh, the G-Man t- uh, talking at you, kind of phasing in and out of reality. There's one line that always sticks with me. Uh, the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. Ooh, I like Something, that. It, it, oh, yeah. It's uh, very philosophical and nihilistic at the same time. I like that. Um, 
On the other hand, I've never played Skyrim. Same. So, <laughs> it, I, I didn't know. I mean, I've played you it. Have played, <laughs> you have played Skyrim <laughs> because because <laughs> I just I just I just looked on um on the on the Xbox app because yeah, after Candy's I, I did play um, it for pitch, a while. Yeah, after Candy's pitch, I thought, okay, I'll go on Game Pass. I'll download yeah. it. I'll give it a try. And then I see Oodles O Dim three months ago played it for how long? Doesn't say. Mm. Oh, does it not? Does, does it say he's played it though? I played both. Anyway, I played both. I haven't played it. Anyway, yeah, um, Half Life Two. I'm voting for. Same. And I'm, <laughs> I haven't played Skyrim. I had a PS3 or four when it came out, and it was severely ravaged for being a complete buggy mess when it came out. Oh yeah, it was gimped got, on the PS3. I never got round to playing it because of that, and it, it probably does play very well now, but it just put me off at the time. And I have played Half Life Two. I have completed that, and I loved that. So, yeah, sorry. Oh, she's it's crying too for me. Fuck! How does Skyrim lose? Uh, I will say, <laughs> I will say, Skyrim is. I love Skyrim um, as well. So it's uh, yeah. I remember that came out, and I just had my shoulder operation. So I wasn't allowed. I was told specifically, you're not allowed to do anything around the house. Just chill for. You know, for three weeks while it heals. Oh, I'd love that. And I just played Skyrim. That is literally my day. Like I got up, I played Skyrim until Kate got back from work. And uh, what a busy day, but, darling. <laughs> no, but she didn't mind that. Cause she told me to do that. Oh so, yeah, that's true. I really loved it. But yeah, there are there was a lot of bugs. Some that pissed me right off. Um, but that's Bethesda junk for you, really, isn't it? <laughs> the Witcher Three had bugs. Hey, I didn't vote for three. Still does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and Clank had a bug. Half- it did have Half-Life a bug. Half-Life has bugs. Everything has bugs. Let's not get into yeah, that. Yeah, but, uh, but um, and Clank, I could reload. I didn't lose uh, an amazing sword after spending like five hours or whatever stupid on a quest for it because of a bug. <laughs> I'm gutted. Sorry. Oodles, say what you're going to say anyway. I've probably played about the same amount for both games now. Legacy, legacy wise, I adored Half Life One, and I absolutely adore Portal. I there's a running joke that oh, I don't like Half Life Two. I've I've barely played it. I've played an hour. I've never got. I've not got to this Raven Ravenswood or whatever you're talking. What did you really? say last week when we picked the game? She's like, oh, the game's barren as fuck. You've played an hour. That's, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You've played the worst bit of the game. You've played City Seventeen wandering around without a gun. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And I, I, I also I played it on a PC, and you know what I'm like with mouse and keyboard, like a monkey with a stick. Um. And Skyrim, <laughs> Skyrim, um, <laughs> always more than more than Half Life Two, in my opinion. From people saying it's the best game ever made, I recently played it. What was it? Three months ago, did you say? <laughs> yep, three months ago. I recorded my uh, findings on our our, our Discord. Um, those recordings weren't long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, I remember escaping a dragon attack, um, creating a cat man. Um, Finding a bow, really enjoying bows. Really, I did really enjoy enjoy being an archer. And then I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to get a sword. Did not like that. Did not like that. And um, I've got to go with what I think I'd like. I know it doesn't make any difference. But I've got to go with what I think I'd play if I had to pick one over the other tomorrow. If I had to pick it up and play it, I'd probably play Half Life Two. 
You should play off Titan. If you've only played an hour of it, I think yeah. you need to play that game. Because I was, yeah, worth, I did it with Titanfall too. I did it with Bioshock. I might like it now. And Skyrim, I give it a good run, man. And it's. Just... I mean, if you play play the orange orange box version, you can play it with the controller. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'd probably mm. do. Yeah, I, if like I say, if I great package that gun to my head, I'd I would play rather play Half Life Two than Skyrim tomorrow. So. All of our pitches have been made. We now have to just do the the, uh, the last three rounds. Candy's heartbroken. I can't look at it. I am. I can't. Yeah, I am. <laughs> She'd be all right. She's all right in the next round. Yeah. I'm smiling through the pain. <laughs> yeah, at least my other game. Oh, no, I haven't got any Okay, so for the, for the first semi-final, we have The Witcher 3 versus Silent Hill 2. Where's everybody going? Obviously, I'm going Silent Hill 2, and we will be going Witcher 3. I, I got it. Oh, if it comes down to... Uh, oh, If we want to make it interesting with Stiggy, then I'm going to go for Witcher 3. Stiggy, if you had both boxes in front of you, boxes in front of you, which one would you reach out and play? Uh, if I had a choice to play what it would be The Witcher 3. I go Witcher 3. Yes. Okay, Witcher 3 goes through to the Sorry, final. That's fine. Both bangers. Um, that's the problem, isn't it? When they're both bangers. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm not not mad about losing the Witcher Three. Witcher Three is one of my favorite games of all time yeah. as well. Yeah, I'm not mad. I'm not mad about what's going to happen right now. Bioshock <laughs> so versus Half Life Two. Fuck. Yeah. And on this, I'm very, very conflicted because I adore both of these games so much. Candy looks like she's about to have a conniption. <laughs> <laughs> My arse like that. Bioshock. I'll go first. Bioshock. I'll, I'll be very easy. Yeah. Bioshock for me. I like and not because, like well. I said, the running joke was I hate Half-Life 2. I don't hate it. I've barely no, I know played, you've it. played it. So, so it's, it's, it's just Bioshock. It did things for me, man. I, yeah, I, I hope, I hope when I do eventually play Half-Life 2 properly, that'll do things for me. But, you know. I, I, I think I know it doesn't matter now because it, it's already it's gone through but I would I will go Half-Life 2 for this one because I think Half-Life <laughs> 2 for me is a very formative one it's like one of my early kind of blow my head off kind of games yeah like, you know it was because I, I did play it on release I think I should have been there like, day one and yeah. then I'd, I'd have added do you yeah. remember that bit that bit with the gravity gun when it's overpowered and you're just oh, throwing yeah. you're throwing people around with it it's so fucking good yeah, all all your weapons get stripped away. You gravity gun gets powered up. And it was just like, yeah, let's fuck some shit up. And you just it's, walk it's, through, it's, just throw everything around. Puzzles with it as well. Yeah, there were little areas that you had to work yeah, out man. how to. Yeah, cool. So I mean, it's so inventive. Well. I don't think, other than maybe the portal gun, I don't think any other gun has been that inventive mm, since. I agree. No, I've not no, used that gun obviously, but I, I'm, I, I, I think I'm looking forward to trying it. Okay, so that means for the final, we have The Witcher 3 versus Bioshock. It's up to you guys, I've... Teddy, just... <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. Stiggy's just told us all off. <laughs> I turned my mic down as well, so it didn't work very well, did it? Like, no. right, I know Bioshock is a, a, a great, like, new world to live in and stuff like that, but Witcher 3 is just... It's just, for, for the generation that came out, PS4, um, Xbox One generation, and obviously PC and stuff, and Switch eventually. Uh, um, it just it just does fit. It, it makes open worlds worth being open world. It's not climb up, climb up top of a tower and open up loads of icons on the map. It's that that world is living like when um, 
Biggie said uh, earlier on about GTA 3 being open and stuff, and you could follow people around. You can literally do this on The Witcher 3. It's, oh, it's just incredible, man. It's just everything about it. And like I say, it's a phenomenon now. It's so big. It's massive. It's just... It's an institution. It's Witcher 3. It, how'd you turn... Like, have you, has anyone ever seen the gameplay of Witcher 1? Yeah, fucking horrendous. <laughs> and this... Yeah, but that's got no forbearance on what The Witcher 3 is. The Witcher, that just proves that it's improved. Yeah, I know, I know. But this is just... I don't know. Just, just the actual the world and everything about it. The, the, when, you're on, when you're in Velen in No Man's Land, the first time after you leave the tutorial area, and then you're just like, oh shit, I can't, I can't go anywhere, but I daren't go everywhere. <laughs> it's, 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 it's terrifying in a way. It's not a horror game at all, but it's terrifying. Some of the characters you meet, like I say, the the, the bloody Baron and uh, just, just just dandelion and and all your all Yennefer, I mean you, yeah, <laughs> Yennefer and and Triss, are just people that just oh. like th- th- there's there's full. There's people online that's like, are you team Yennefer? Are you team Triss and stuff like that? Or are you are you team whatever? And then it introduces and those people haven't read the books and don't know how exactly. bad Triss actually is. Exactly. Agreed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, and it's just got like you think you think, oh my god, we've got Velen, we've got Novigrad, we've got all these. Places. And then oh, guess what? We've got another continent for you to explore, Skellige. And then guess what? We've got some DLCs with Toussaint, and we've ah, oh, it's just everything about it. And my dad's on it, gone to Odim. He's just one of the best antagonists ever. I just, I just adore it, man. It's a valiant effort, Oodles, but I have to go with the game that I've played. Oh, okay, loved. I get it. I get it. And loved as a series. I've artwork on my wall. Um, I loved watching you do that, find that moment. And Good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was something just new and inventive and. I think the it's weird having Bioshock as our game of best game ever. The thing, the, the, the thing is, that much as I adore The Witcher Three, and I, I do adore The Witcher Three, I never felt anything playing it. It's a really good story, really good game, really good place to be. But like Bioshock again, that moment, but also just like the other stuff as well. Like, like when you re- listen back through some of the backstory and you hear the, like the heartbreak involved and like how some of these splices have gone mad. Like the mad doctor, the first boss that you fight. Mm. Like stuff like that. It is so well written. I don't think it loses his edge after the twist. It does, but then you can also argue that The Witcher 3 also has one of the worst boss final bosses in video gaming. Oh, I'm not on about bosses and stuff like that. I'm not No, on... but I'm yeah, we, you, you know, both games kind of falter in their last game. I think of a lot of games do that to be fair, don't they really? Yeah. Um but you know, I never felt anything playing The Witcher 3, but I felt a lot playing Bioshock. And that's not to say I think one is better than the other. I think they're both amazing. They both got games, to a final me, regardless. Yeah. yeah there's, out, there's proof in the pudding. Choice, yeah, out of this choice for me, it's uh, Bioshock as well. Biggie, you got an opinion? I do. It's a weird one for me because I love The Witcher 3, but it's one of the games that I actually drops in and out of quite a bit. It's because it's so big. And but yeah, but like actually having gaps of months of not playing it and then going back. But every time I went back, I fell in love with it every single time. It was that good a game. It's that clever. But I just played Bioshock from beginning to end and as long as I could over a period of time playing that I game. I did it in far, far playthroughs in total, maybe. Yeah, just... 
something about that world, the atmosphere, listening to the recordings, the, the, the sound, the sound is so incredible in that game. The clunk as you play the, the recording and just opening things, unlocking things. Yeah, just the big daddies used to shit me up big time when I saw one around the corner until you, you got good enough to take him on properly. But, uh, yeah, just I think that atmosphere underwater was just something else. Uh, so, yeah, Bioshock for me, I'm afraid. And I love Witcher Oh, 3. yeah, yeah. I, feel, I think, I, I, honestly, well done, by the way, Candy. You've won. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I like that Bioshock is now our official best game of all time. I think it's a bit odd um, because I don't think it's in anyone's best games of all time, like official lists, but... I'm I'm, I'm on about official official publications and stuff like that, but it's always there, isn't it? It's always in a top ten. That's excellent. Yeah, it is excellent. It is excellent. I think it's it's, it's uncontroversially excellent, which is why I don't think it gets to the top a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone who's finished it agrees that it's like, fuck, that's a good game. Yeah, like... (laughs) And also, um, we discussed this when you came across the twist. It's one that's respected so much that people will say, shut up. Yeah, when did the game come out? Because I did not know about that. So I lasted that long without knowing that. That's crazy. You lasted 14 years. Yeah. 2007. Yeah. I can't believe that. That's crazy, isn't it? That's unreal. Now, I I have seen people spoil the end of Witcher 3 on Twitter, and it's barely been out as long. So, yeah, there is a respect there. I I do like that. I do do like that. So, Bioshock's on a 96 out of 100 on Metacritic. So, it's up there. Like 96 is massive. Half Life 2 is Half Life 2 is on 96. Uh, other games for me. Really, Grand are Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 3 is on 97. Ooh, best game ever. Um, <laughs> officially, Grand Theft Auto 4 is higher. Five is higher. Uh, yes, they're actually the highest, the highest, the highest game there. from all of ours chosen. Grand Theft Auto 3. There we go. <laughs> And we kicked it out because we were all frightened of it. But congratulations, yeah. Bioshock. <laughs> you are the official Modern Escapism best game of all time. And Candy, Whoop. you hey. nominated it with a plum. Honestly, brilliant. But what I want to hear is what our listeners think of their best games of all time. If we've got time, because we have been going on forever. I'm red uh, I mean, we've we've got... We've got time, but we'll we'll hammer through this because Go. we've still got the Patreon to do as well. I'm going over um, that. Alex, yeah, Alex seventy nine UK <laughs> says uh, my all time favorite is Red Dead Redemption two, followed by Dark Souls and The Witcher three. The reason's far too lengthy to go into here, but I played at exactly the right time for uh, for it to be a world I needed to escape into and be totally immersed. I loved it so much. There is um, a review from Alex on our Twitter. He posted the screenshots of like of his yeah. Red yeah. Dead Redemption thing. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read out his conclusion from that. I'm not gonna read out the whole thing because it's a bit too wordy and we have been going for a god awful amount of time here. But I'll, the the um his conclusion on that review is really good. So he said, I didn't just enjoy this game, I absolutely adored it. Sometimes something comes along and you can't imagine how anything will ever top it. One day I'll look back on the games I've played over the years, and if there has been anything between then and now which has made me feel so passionately about a game, I'll be very surprised. I wouldn't change a thing about Red Dead Redemption 2. For me, personally, it was just about as perfect as a game can get. Wow. It's incredible. I'm actually a bit scared of it. Red Dead Redemption 2 is incredible. It's so big. I, I dropped so off big. at like chapter 3 for no reason whatsoever because I started playing other games. And when I got back it when I got back into it, I was just like Oh, I just I loved just getting it and and yeah, I platinumed just, it in two weeks. 
Yeah. Yeah. Might try and find a cheap Xbox code for it. I'll get you one, mate. Um, John Cheatham has said Dishonored 2 hard to pick between this and the original but the sunbaked setting endless permutation of powers and gadgets great characters and god tier level design makes this the greatest of all time arcane <laughs> at the height of their powers I mean, I'll agree Dishonored 2 is a really fucking good game I dropped that I dropped off that harder than I've done fucking... one. I need to play Dishonored both and they're both on yeah. Game Pass and I need to get them on Rob Shack has come in saying uh, for me it has to be The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt it's just a complete package of brilliant characters, great story and quest writing, a deep, engaging, beautiful world, and stuff to the gills with content to keep you going for a very long time. Now a second best game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Pete Beckett has gone further back than everyone else. Um, Super Mario World. Oh, it's one of my favourite 2D platformers with Donkey Kong Country coming a close second. But it's the game I always manage to boot up and play at least once or twice a year. Still excellent all these years later. So Leroy Francisco has come in saying, such a hard question. Do I pick a game from when I was a kid like Super Mario World or a modern game like Red Dead 2? Games are generally better these days, but I have so many happy memories of getting lost in more simple games. The experience enhanced my childlike imagination. Anyway, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> this game fired up my imagination in a way I hadn't experienced in a long time. I mean, none of us brought up any Nintendo games. No. And Breath of the Wild is fucking good. But, so. um, I think... Final Fantasy 7 could have been. Yeah, and the, but both so games I nominated are on Nintendo games. platforms. They're on Nintendo, but they're not Nintendo games. No. I didn't want to put any old games in because I don't think people take them as seriously anymore. Oh, that's some <gasps> amazing old ones. What's wrong with you? It's just hard to compare them, isn't it, yeah. I think, with something that's more fresh And it's fresh got the best mind. 16-bit pixel graphics you could ever see. <laughs> and the story, you have to read it yourself. <laughs> Miri has come in saying The Last of Us Part 2. Obsessed doesn't even cover it. Wow. Hmm. New one. I need yeah. to play that. It's game. very, it's very rare that you get someone saying that of a game that's very recent. Very recent. Yeah, it's only yeah. a year old, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray has said, uh, "Hi, modern escapism." According to the number on my Steam account, I spend most hours on Stardew Valley, followed a close second by Hitman. Neither are big productions, but both have simple but effective gameplay mechanics, bring tons of fun and replayability. I often download, finish, and delete games. Some games I would not likely to, uh, to touch anymore, and others would be downloaded again when the time is right. These two, however, never really leave my hard drive and keep stacking it up hours. Games like those usually won't be the first in a favourite game discussion, but I really appreciate the good time I had and I'm still having with them. Yeah, see, mm. I, I don't um, necessarily equate more hours played to my favourite games. Oh. Um, I don't really replay, I don't even replay my favourite games that much. Like, these them two, I do. I've played Half Life two a few times. And you get them comfort games, times. don't you? Like I said, but other, mm. but a lot of other times, I, I, just, I, I don't really replay games. I just because I want to play the new stuff and other stuff as well. So, I, think, I mean, I think it depends on the game. Like, like Stardew yeah. Valley is kind of an endless game. It's it's like playing um, Animal Crossing, and Hitman's one of those games that you know it's designed to be re- repeatedly it played. Can be it's quite like, arcade. It's, like, it's almost like a speed. Yeah, it, you can do it like. It, Think of it like a speedrun game. You know, you're getting the highest score as fast as possible. Me, me and Gadget They're recently both... went through them all, didn't we? And Silent Assassin and the lot. Yeah. That was a good, yeah. good, good time in that. Good times. Oh yeah, a lot of fun that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, both great games, Stardew and Hitman. Absolutely brilliant games. Last up, Angry Kurt, best boy. He's coming saying my favorite game flips between Half Life Two and Portal, but because Stig has Half Life Two and because I think Portal just edges it, I'll go with that. <laughs> It's often said that no game is perfect, 
But in the case of Portal, I think given what it sets out to do, it's a perfect game. There's literally nothing I can think of in which it can be improved upon. The puzzles and difficulty curve is spot on. The narrative and writing is excellent. It's funny. Its length means there is no filler, and even the credit sequence is perhaps the best in any medium, which I would immediately counter with, but Portal 2 did it all better. Yes, 100%. (laughs) I recently recently played Portal 2, and yeah. Yeah. Portal 2 drags sections out a little bit, if I'm being... I'm being honest. I love them both. They tried- but, Paul, but Portal 2 has Cave Johnson. Yeah. But they try I just mean they tried to like add a bit too much story into it and it was and it, it's good, but I really want to play this new version of Portal that's come out. I think it's out. Oh, now, with, isn't with, it? with with the third portal. Yeah. Ooh. Portal like, oh, such a smart like a different game, dimension though, into it. I love them both. So, love them yeah. both. Massively. Yeah, yeah. Some of those puzzles were amazing. Yeah. But yes, that is our mailbox for the week. Thank you very much for writing in there, guys. Uh, we will go to the socials with Her Majesty the Candy Machine. <laughs> Thank you for that. Winner. Uh, yeah, you can find winner, winner, chicken dinner. Not with Skyrim, though. <laughs> find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find a link to all our episodes, socials, and you can find us in our wonderful community in the madhouse that is our Discord. If you have any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you want to have a chat with us during gaming sessions, find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash modernescapism. On Saturday, Oodles, are you continuing Fable? Depends what temperature the weather's going to be. It might be too hot for Fable, (laughs) okay. Mondays, we've got Biggie Dies. Watch Biggie continue his playthrough of Dark Souls. Wednesday, Gadget and Stig will be starting Sea of Thieves, so we'll get to meet Captain Jack Sparrow once again. And Thursday, I'm going to do my Candy's Creature feature, which is a horror stream, and tonight in pod timing yeah. land, yeah, tonight, <laughs> uh, I should be finishing off Hellblade. Um, and so I'll start something new Another next banger. week. We've got a Patreon, as you heard earlier. We're really proud of what we do, and if you enjoy our content, you can give us a little extra support on Patreon at patreon.com slash modernescapism. We've got three tiers. We've got five pounds for modern escapees. You'll get extended modern escapism episodes, monthly specials. This month, Gadget and Biggie are taking us on a journey with them, experiencing the first experience <laughs> films so for the first time. Oh, it's going to be <laughs> weirdness. <laughs> uh, we've got five pounds for the Scorch Sheep. Um, the Scorch Sheep. Just Scorch Sheep. <laughs> listen to, listen to Scorch Sheep episodes advert free. Any artwork created by me and any music that's featured in the episode will get bundled along with it. And you'll also get a bonus roundup episode every time we level. We'll have a chat about the story story so far and you'll get to hear us updating our characters in real time. Or for £7.50, you'll get the Biggie bundle, which which gets you both and it will make Biggie very happy. And who wouldn't want that? Just imagine his little beaming face. I can see it now, look. You, because you knocked him out. Brutal. The guilt is well said, Sniggy. <laughs> uh, next week's subject is children's TV. So, what were your favourite shows growing up? Do you remember any shows that no one else can recall? Do they hold up? Do you hate or love any shows that no one else did? Let us know in the comments. Excellent. And no, we're not doing crisps, best crisps yet for a long, long time because these take it out of us. These kind of knockout tournaments. <laughs> I know. I know that people are demanding it really, it really crisps. Tests our friendships, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think crisps is going to be the biggest d- destroyer of of, of oh, yes. colleagues and friendships there ever will be. But yes, uh, for all the patrons, uh, meters round the back. But for everyone else, don't melt. 
and enjoy being a gamer. See you later. Candy, are you hugging a show for men? Aerosol. It feels so nice. I'm just glad it's that and not a dildo. No, they're not as cool. Oh, God.